Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Treks Edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Uh, mailbag Edition. I'm Matthew. <laughs> I remain Judah. Um, off air, we were apologizing for what audio issues we might have. Um, and I told you that I have an exotic bird in the neighborhood. Uh, Mom thinks it's a peacock. Oh, well, those shits is loud, but we had peacocks when we lived at uh, at their apartment, so did it seem familiar? Well, that's the thing. I don't really remember what noises those birds made, the ones that lived on uh, the, our old apartment. Um, but these fuckers are crazy loud. They're, I, I haven't pinpointed which home they have taken up residence in, but they are probably five or six homes away, and... Um, they're loud as fuck, and they make noises at all hours, and one of them became two of them, so <laughs> it recruited a friend, and so now sometimes well, two of them are going. Parthenogenesis, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, maybe. Could have been budding. Yeah, could have just squirted one out, uh, gremlin style. Um, But, uh, okay, then you told me there was an app where I can put in the bird noise, and then I can... Eat figure out what kind of bird it is because i am curious about what kind of bird this is yeah so i will tell you that the app is called merlin bird id okay and it is maybe a product of cornell okay anyway uh we've had we've had some noisier birds uh this year they've taken up residence out behind our house and one of them has a trait that i'm sure it's one of these birds that sounds like they're mimicking a car alarm yeah, uh, could be a cardinal. They they do that. Do you guys uh, get those there? Uh, I don't think we do get them here anyway. Okay. It's a Bewix wren, according to this. Interesting. Um, the thing that it was doing that was irritating me is it has a call that's like weep 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 weep, but it doesn't do the same number of weeps every time. Oh no! So I'd be like, all right, it did six weeps, and. You know, it's like six in the morning. I'll, I'll just roll over, start to go back to sleep. Next one does seven. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, and why did it do seven that time? Is it related to the temperature? What is it? So I finally fucking downloaded this bird ID app to figure out what it is, and it's some kind of wren. Okay. And did you uh, double check to make sure that it's uh, it's either breeding range or all year range or whatever? Yeah, the way this uh, app works is you install a sound pack for your region. Okay. But I'm going to tell you that my region was just fucking Western United States. Sure. So apparently the regions are pretty big. I mean, they're birds. They get around. So yeah. I guess that makes sense. I've also picked up a brown-headed cowbird. Oh, wait a, a minute. This could be a problem warbler. if it's a peacock, though, because I think the only peacock species are native to Asia and Africa. So, Well, we see. I mean, <laughs> you know, it might say, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't sound like a bird. <laughs> 
Well, if you hear one, it, don't be surprised because it was going off just before we got on the Zoom call. It must have birds that have been transplanted too, right? That's the thing about peacocks. Is like, how are there peacocks here just just roaming around? It's, someone brought them to some kind of exotic bird show, and then like yeah, a couple some, of them got someone, loose. Someone says, "Show me your pretty plumage," and then they were like, mm, "Well, the girl ones aren't that pretty." <laughs> this is dumb. And then they were like, "Oh, they flew away." <laughs> well, oh shit. Well, I hope they like it here because I've had now multiple run-ins with them living either like with our neighbors or in our neighborhood or whatever, assuming this is a peacock. I tried listening to the sound online. It was very similar to a peacock sound. So it could she be. She might be right. It could be a peacock. She has, over the years, she has picked up some of those old person interests. Like she knows what, what trees are. Yeah. Knows what you trees know what I mean? are. Knows what yeah. birds are. Yeah. So if she says peacock, I'd be inclined to, to go with it. Did you know? That the word in Spanish for peacock is pavo. And that when the Spanish came to the New World and saw turkeys, they just started calling them pavos, like, <laughs> just like peacocks. And so now peacocks are called pavo real. Because, ah, you know, they're better. Definitely better than turkeys. They're better than turkeys. They're bigger. They're prettier. Uh, they've got to be less dumb. I don't know if they're bigger, but they are prettier. Aren't they bigger? Peacocks get pretty big. Turkeys, I don't know. I don't know, man. Turkeys get pretty big. All the ones I ever see roaming around are pretty small. Like the ones that would just randomly cross the street in Fremont or whatever. Turkeys know, maybe it's because so everything eats them. Could be. The ones that uh, are on the hiking paths here in Tennessee, they just walk right next to you. They don't care. <laughs> it's not. They're not great. They're not great birds, biologically speaking. So, Like many, many years ago. I took a picture on Thanksgiving morning of three peacocks, just uh, three turkeys just walking up the driveway like, dude, you know what day it is? You should be hiding. This is the worst time for this. What if also, I was trigger like, warning, oh, I'm eating oh, your buddy. Choice. I had not picked out a turkey yet. <laughs> That's right. I thought this was going to be the Thanksgiving without a turkey. In the olden days, that would have been a Thanksgiving miracle. You know, yeah, before the Super I don't got, I don't got no property, so I don't got no axe. Sure. You know? I mean, you could just... Use whatever you got, I assume. I mean, I could, but it would be a real mess. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not smart. They're not great birds. So I, I also think peacocks are better, for sure. That answers that uh, question. Everyone at home who sent us all those questions about what birds were better. Yeah, try out Merlin Bird ID. It's got a bunch of different modes. You can submit a photo. Ooh. Uh, you can sub- You can do sound IDs, so... Well, I'll have to have it, like, ready, because these birds aren't always going off. They just will suddenly make some sound and then quiet down again, so. Yeah. When I, uh, over Christmas, I spent a week uh, with Katie's mom. Yep. In a house where we never left the house because everyone was sick. Yeah. So I spent the entire week between Christmas and New Year's just sitting at the kitchen table. It was very chill, but uh, one of her neighbors has some kind of parrot cockatiel you know one of these loud tropical birds sure and its cry is exactly like a person getting stabbed (laughs) and it does it 50 times a day but like not in batches it just does it every so often yeah just enough to startle you it took several days before i didn't get like a weird fight or flight response when it happened like someone's dying well to be fair we're all just cool about this someone's dying this whatever bird it is we got here I, uh, the first time I heard it with Marjan, 
she said, it sounds like some kind of person yelling or something. So maybe it's some other kind of exotic bird. Maybe. I but I want to use this Merlin bird ID, official sponsor of the show. And I'm yeah. going <laughs> to figure out what kind of bird it is. Uh, they're going to be real happy with their sponsorship. Yeah, go to Merlin Bird ID, use the promo code INCEST, I assume. <laughs> Probably. And uh, get $11 off. Yeah. The Merlin Bird ID. That's going to be... That's going to be good for everyone. You know, and it lets them know that you're listening to us and they should keep sponsoring us. Yeah, and we want to be good to our sponsors. So, do that. Just like when we were sponsored by the letter Q. Yep. (laughs) We did good. We did right by Q. We had all these Star Trek episodes with Q in them, so it was always topical. It was good. There was also, um, you know, the uh, QAnon. I'm sure we talked about that, probably. Yep, we really boosted that. Yep. Um, <laughs> like, kind of way more than I'm happy about. Yeah, and that's... Uh, we, we bullhorned it. But you know, how were we to know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a mailbag week, and it's also a Star Trek week, and that's all the weeks from now on, until we until we change the format again. So... <laughs> right. Uh, did we get any mails? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we didn't get any emails, but there's a lot of tweets. Okay. Um... You can continue to tweet at Brother Date. You just can't tweet at me anymore. I deleted my tweeter, my tweeters. It's <laughs> a good idea. Everyone, go up back and shoot your tweeters. I shot my tweeters right in the head. Don't need them no more. I was just, uh, I got a tweet come in at Brother Date over the last two weeks, and I was checking it, and then uh, I had like a little marker on the thing to say, you know, say, hey, switch to your personal account. Something happened over there. Oh. And I fucking went over there, and it was like, you got to turn off two-factor authentication. You're not paying us. And I was like, I'll just delete my whole account. I'm just out. You have to pay them for two-factor? Uh, if you want to use two-factor authentication. I don't want to get too into it because I don't want Ryan to come back and defend his boss in the comments. <laughs> but if you want to use two-factor authentication via SMS, you have to pay them. You can still use an authenticator app. Maybe a lot of people say that's not really working. Anyway, yeah. it doesn't matter. Um, I was just like, no, nah, I don't use this. I don't want it. Has Ryan, our only contributor, has he flipped back around again? And now he's... Now he's back to being pro loan scum. He's always been pro loan scum. He just wished his stock price was doing better. Yeah, but we know why it's not. Fucking he. He's a company man. He really what is. Can you do? Let's get into the fucking mailbag. All right, to all of our all of our tweets from Ryan. Well, I mean, they're not not this week. No, I I always uh, throw a couple on top, <clears throat> sprinkle them on top. My brother date. On April 24th, Ryan writes at brother date. Well, at least you get agree on one thing so far. And he links a digital trends article about the next uh, Star Trek TNG episodes. We haven't covered everything that they've got in this list, but uh, I will tell you the top three, uh, which are uh, Darmok at number three. It's not going to be our third. No. Not going to be our third top, huh? No, I mean, yeah, so it's an episode with some problems. <laughs> it's an, a if very I, enjoyable episode with some problems. If I just filter to TNGs in our rankings page, our third top is The Enemy. Yeah. That's a good episode. That was a good episode. It's got Tomalock and all that. It's got a lot of stuff. Is that They're Tomalock? number two. That, uh, Tomalock's in there, yeah. That's the Galorn and Core? That's Galorn and Core is okay. The Enemy. Yeah. Number two, they have the inner light. Mm. Uh, well, number two for us was Sins of the Father. 
We did Inner Light, mm, you know, last time, and it could have done better. Judah did. Judah thought it was pretty good. Okay, at least. Uh, I thought it was good in the top half, but it really failed in the bottom half. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it. I buried it. It did not. Yeah, it's um. Well, it's in between a matter of time and elementary dear data on this list. Does that help? Right above I a mean, matter of time is the host, and right above that's Menage a Troy. I do so. feel like that's the right tier for it, but I know we had to, we didn't necessarily feel the same way about it. Too short a season rounds out the 25 point TNGs. So. Oh, no. Yeah, that one had a lot of problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's below the mind's eye. But maybe we gave it some bonus points because of those cool eagles. I mean, we were very taken by those eagles. That yep. guy's whole office those statues was pretty good. Legit, for sure. We didn't talk too much about his pink and purple camouflage outfit and yeah. how, how we thought that was doing. It was dumb like all of the uh, non-standard camo colors. I say we didn't. We probably did. Uh, who can remember? Um, what was that, six especially, years ago? I don't know. Especially <laughs> in the early parts of the uh, this project, I was very interested in all of the clothing choices. That everyone was making. Yeah, well, now, I mean, how many times you got to see the same Marissa, you know? Like, it's well, it's all become pretty rote at this point. I mean, as recently as last week, when Flowers for Tuvok, I did, <laughs> I did again, wonder how they got them boots that matched them pants. <laughs> and the, for the Vulcan Marissa. Yep. All right, so that uh, number two, whatever, uh, and number one? Their, their number one is Measure of a Man. It's the best so episode. That's the thing that ryan says we have in common um that's obviously that's our number one um we've only got it one point above sins of the father and those two have like a five point gap before the next one so yeah you know those are the two really standout ones so far yeah and by that so far like i think season six and seven are (laughs) going to be full of absolute gems yep oh man relics is yeah just definitely gonna dominate um uh yeah and by uh the clear winners so far or whatever we were talking about 57 out of 80 right yeah that's almost that's almost but not quite three quarters of the available points extreme this is like a mit final exam curve that we are grading on here uh i mean it's very it's very hard for a 42 minute episode of television to blast it out of there with 10 slam jam it out of the park with a premise World building, to do both world world building building and characterization characterization is very hard. That's extremely difficult. If you're doing world building, you're doing, there's a lot of exposition or there's a lot of huge plot events happening. And there typically isn't time for some nice quiet conversations in a room to help you figure out what people are doing. Yep. So, you know, uh, this rubric is not designed for someone to score 80 out of 80. Well, Um, that's good. and we'll see at the end of this what a good score actually looks like. And I'm thinking that a great score is going to be 50 or better, probably. Yeah, we haven't had many of those. Yeah, if I unfilter this again. Uh, and again, there have so far been eight episodes that scored 50 or better. Yeah, and early on we were pretty generous, uh, comparatively. And, and that's out of uh, 548 reviewed so far. Oh, man. Yeah, we'll tack on three more. Yeah, three more coming down the pipe today. <laughs> yep. Uh, seven, also on the twenty seven fucking years. <laughs> yeah, so far. Oh yeah, no, we're nowhere near done. Yeah, you have to bear in mind that we did like half a year before we thought of this idea. 
Yeah, this podcast Before theoretically I existed. Before this idea. <laughs> By the way, we did lots and lots of other kinds of projects on this podcast. And oh, yeah. We've but done that is, so much stuff. Now it feels like the distant past, for sure, when we were doing that stuff. If you go back through the archives, you can find out what the best fruit is. You can find out. That was probably <laughs> when we got the most engagement on, and we weren't surprised because all of our mailbags had been about fruit for a long time. <laughs> you can find out which Led Zeppelin song I like the best. Mm-hmm. You can find out what Mountain Goat song Matt likes the best. I don't actually remember. Do you remember? <laughs> nah, would for sure would have to be- look it better, up. Better check the website, everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, to be honest, I'm only sort of sure I remember what I had at the top of the Led Zeppelin bracket, yeah. which was, I think, more recent. Let's take a look at what's actually in here. Uh, we got uh, Fruit, Billy Joel, Mountain Goats. Let me see here. <sighs> uh, it's No Children. It was always going to be No Children. Okay. Well, there you go, then. You had no children beating Southwood Plantation Road. Okay. All right. That makes sense. I kind of remember those. That makes sense. And for Zep, it was Cashmere. Yeah. Over uh, Since I've Been Loving You. Those are good choices. Um, on the 25th, Ryan wrote, at Brother Date. What's your favorite song with a big key change? Aside from Cisco's masterpiece, I mean. When we were at the cabin, I did make... Uh, they have one of them things where you could just say, uh, Hey, Siri, play the Monster Mash, which mm. is the one I usually do. Sure. <laughs> That's a good choice in almost all situations. Yeah. yeah um, speaking of seven years, there is no way we haven't addressed this topic. Key changes? Yeah. yeah. We must have gone down the road of what were the... Best and most baffling key changes. I mean, since our uh, copyright strike, we don't do so much about music, but <laughs> it does seem like some. It's, it would be wild if we hadn't touched on it. Although I know we didn't do like a full bracket approach to it. Yeah, I mean, it's always been uh, this podcaster's approach to just play the clips and let them fucking let them fuck around and find out. Let them come after us, see what they get. Nothing. I don't have anything. Eat shit. But um. But yeah, we don't do the clips so much no, uh, anymore. But I'm sure we said that the best, absolutely the best, the most spine-tingling and the best is the Thong Song by Cisco. Uh, well, it's it's certainly kind of the least earned. The the whole uh, how dare you? The whole of the Thong Song is is very good with the super overblown production. It is. Sorry. <laughs> Last time I had YouTube open for this podcast, it was playing Silhouette by Kenny G because we talked about that. How dare you say it's not earned? It is the most dramatic song ever written about <laughs> underpants, for sure. <laughs> it's great. It's dramatic all the way, but then when you get the fucking key change in the end, it's got like high st- symphonic strings and shit going on. You're just like, <sighs> it's so good. I mean, so I do have a couple of thoughts on this, and then I'm sure you do, too. Sure. Uh, number one, obviously, is the song Sunny. Well, so this uh, is what I was going to say. There are songs where there's a sudden key change, and you're like, oh, shit, what just happened? And then there are songs where it's, like, built into the structure of the right. song, and it's the so integral to the song. The structure of that song is that each, each verse is a half step, or it might even be a, a whole step up from the previous verse. So it's a key change between every verse. Yeah, I was going to bring that one up, but... Um, but it's a, it's a little different than just like that sudden like oh shit what just happened key change. Let's, uh, let's, let's see if I can play a little of this or if we'll get a commercial for Lobster Fest. Oh please be, please be Lobster Fest. It's been so long. Uh, I mean I'd be we'd be lucky if it was Lobster Fest for sure. 
It's going to play this Kenny G song. I bet again. the nearest Red Lobster is fucking Atlanta or something. iPad so old that I can't use the YouTube app. Oh, that's a good lyric. You should write that song. I should. All right. Let's get a little of this, maybe. Hey, am I dumb? Why can't I get this to play? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't hear anything, but I'm looking up where the nearest. But now nah, there's a Red Lobster in Franklin. Okay. All right. I need you to tell me if I'm dumb. Uh, well, I'm not hearing anything. I'm still not. Okay, so I guess yeah. you're, you got, you went and got stupid. All right, let's um, let's get a little of this after this commercial for. Um, looks like it wants to be a commercial for Lindor truffles, so we'll just skip that. The nearest Red Lobster is 15 miles from me. That's a kind of too long. Yeah, to I gotta go, go to the Burbs, man. Biscuits. I gotta go to fucking Franklin to get my fucking shrimp my way. This is good pod. (laughs) Who gives a shit at this point? (laughs) Each pod is just one fewer pod we have to do. Sunny. Ah, yeah. Good old Bobby Ebb. Yesterday my life was filled with rain. Uh, uh. Sunny. You smiled at me and really eased the pain. Now the dark days are done and the bright days are here. My sunny one shines so sincere. Sunny one so true, I love you. Sunny. That wasn't a key change. No, Thank but he, I think it's the back half of the song. Where it's like, sunny. it changes every time. Thank you for the love you brought my way. You gave to me your all in all. And now I feel ten feet tall. Sunny one so true I love you well, He's really under-delivering on the vocals Here it is Sunny oh, yeah. On the beach Thank you Hell for yeah. the truth You let me see Sunny Thank you for the facts From A to Z My life was torn I just want to make the whole podcast about this song now I have so many thoughts already It's the- like not even a three minute long song it- But it it is good. It's like, um, it's just like the ultimate example of, uh, you don't need any talent at all. You just need a good song. That guy was like <laughs> whispering into the mic. Can you do something? Can you do something with your vocals, Bobby? And it's he, no wonder he never had another fucking hit. He definitely wasn't given it, uh, four tops energy. No, I mean, um, I mean, Stevie Wonder covered it on one of his Motown records and it's much, much better in the vocals department for sure. Cause he's, uh, trying because he's actually giving it a shot. This guy, what a fucking loafer. No shit, this guy never did anything again. God damn. <laughs> That's so disappointing, because that, so, that track was hot. And he was just like, uh, Sonny, uh, this is my first time in a studio. <laughs> How does it feel to be mad at Sonny. a 60-year-old song? <laughs> does everyone look at you the whole time? <laughs> he's super nervous. Yeah, that does seem like a special concern of his. Um. <laughs> uh, there's another song like that I was going to say, which is uh, Summersoft by Stevie Wonder, which is, again, it's the entire f- four-minute outro is key changes. So it's less of a, oh, wow, what a cool moment, and more of a, oh, this is like built into the structure of the song. And then my other thought is uh, the Beach Boys song, mm-hmm. Wouldn't It Be Nice? Where it opens with it in a baffling way. 
where there, it, it starts with a key change for no apparent reason. Like before the first words, there's a key change. Best part of the song. Yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. The rest <laughs> of the song is pedestrian. <laughs> when that happens, you go, oh. Oh, it really makes you think more is going to happen uh-huh. than ends up happening. That's most of the Beach Boys, though. It's like the Beatles were like, oh, the Beach Boys almost did something. We better go actually do something. <laughs> What are we, what, what kind of, oh, okay. And then doesn't do it again. No, that's just it. That's the key the song's in now, and the rest of the song you just go, all right. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to have sex, I guess. And not only that, but I it's now like that I they're, think ashamed, about it. they're ashamed of the key change because they covered up with that huge drum beat. Yeah, it's like right in the transition, <laughs> right where that key change happens. There's just a huge drum beat. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Man. Billy Joel wasn't the first guy ever to come up with a kick-ass coda and then make motorcycle noises all over it. <laughs> he didn't invent that trick. <laughs> no, he didn't. That's hey, another is project. That song you better guys or missed? worse, if he was making it with his mouth. <laughs> oh, I mean, come on. I always strive of, for uh... self-awareness. Something Billy Joel has never shown. So <laughs> that would be pretty great if he did that. You just hear him taking breaths. <laughs> uh, this was before chocolate rain, so he didn't know you need to lean away from the mic to breathe. <laughs> that was all the the real blessing of the chocolate rain experience was the vi- was the video oh, aspect yeah. of it. Yes, the rest of it is pretty weird, but watching that guy get to work was Tazonde. Was that Tazonde? Yeah. yeah, that guy was. Uh, he was doing some good work and didn't mind being filmed. See, he should have done Sonny. He should have been the one in the booth. Oh, I would love his Sonny, but it starts like, wait on Sonny. <laughs> Flush the sewers underneath Mumbai. I'm not making it sound fake enough. Yeah. I have a cold. So usually I could do a better taste on day than that. I know. And that's very important in 2023. You've got to have <laughs> a good taste on day impression. It's on my resume. Is that why I'm not getting work? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Uh, he's probably going to want to do it. Don't call him in. <laughs> he's going to do it in meetings. He, there's only tell. one reason you list the impressions you do. He's going to try to do them. He's going to be like, hey, guys, you remember chocolate rain? <laughs> they imagine Some you. stay dry while others feel the pain. Chocolate rain. <laughs> he's going to come in. He's going to like have a little smirk on his face, and he's going to keep looking at the resume. He's going to be like, oh, I brought you guys each a copy of the resume. I'm like, we're cool. We already have one. He's going to be like, oh, just in case. And he's going to yeah. keep looking at it the whole time. And when we don't bring it up by the, like near the end, we're going to be like, okay, do you have any other questions? And, you know, I think we're pretty much wrapping up here. He's going to be like, hey, did you guys see this section? And then he's going to, he's going to, it says he does a Kermit the Frog. I don't, I don't want to hear it. I talked to a guy he uh, interviewed with at Roblox and it said he brought a Casio keyboard in that he programmed the actual loop from Chocolate Rain, <laughs> the four second piano loop. <laughs> He was going to so, do a whole thing. It was, he clearly was prepared to do the whole song. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, do you have any other key change oh, I just, my, candidates? Uh, I didn't really give it a lot of thought when I saw the question because I'm sure we'd covered and I was sure every song that we brought up was going to be brought up. <laughs> I mean, the, those are the two key change songs that are on my mind. The Just the very baffling Beach Boys key change before they ever start singing, and then obviously Sonny. And then because my brain has been so warped by the K-pops the last few years, several K-pop songs popped into my head, but no one has heard of them, so there's no point. Um, uh, 
Yeah, I guess there have been a couple in the tourney that no one cares about but us uh, uh, with key changes that I'm having there. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like, I immediately thought of Heart Attack by Chu from Luna. Um, Talk That by Secret. Uh, Talk That went pretty far in that first bracket, didn't it? Talk That's the, it's that hot mid-tempo stuff that I'm into. Mid, mid-tempo, mid great bass, slappy as shit. Um, but then it, it does have a dramatic key change after the bridge. Um, but it's, you know, it's a good trick. Sometimes it's totally not earned. There's a song that's out right now by 5050 called cupid where there's just a key change at the end that feels like they just went and then like i don't know what else like a key change maybe where though i don't know just right there it don't matter did you send me that one or did is that one of the ones i saw in the sushi restaurant the other weekend (laughs) yeah i I don't know it could be either yeah could be both yeah we went to a sushi place on uh on centennial um saturday maybe and uh of course it was just playing k-pop videos the whole time i guess that's just a thing i i, I guess it really tells you about the relative strength of uh j-pop huh but even in a sushi restaurant japanese are weirdly not that good at exporting their pop culture which is i find strange they should be better at it every clip of anything i ever see from japan is the worst fucking low-res nonsense <laughs> It has been ripped 15 times by the time it gets to you. I ain't never heard of any J-pop But you're always that like, I would watch these comedians ago. try to climb up loop stairs. I'm always Poop. like, I would like to see this, but I can't even look at it. It's in like 360 fucking... <laughs> res- I can't even look at the fucking I want to see this show where they have to decide what thing in the room is made out of chocolate. Why I can't really I do. just watch this? I want to see that guy sniff the doorknob and not get anything and then try to bite it. And then... <laughs> I mean, that particular gif is amazing. The look on his face. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, they should should be easier to watch yeah. there. Uh, you gotta, watch like, there. Sometimes amazing shows. Sites every like you gotta pirate everything if you want to watch. It's just a lot of work. They don't make it easy. Three or four seasons, or maybe five now, of Documental are on Amazon Prime. That's pretty I, good. Yeah, I saw. Uh, is that the one? Is that the laughing contest where you, uh, yeah. all the comedians come in and they 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 gotta they gotta ante up. Yeah, and then, and then they got to try and make each other laugh. Yeah, I watched a couple episodes of the first season, and I was appalled by how bad they were at it. <laughs> he had to give yeah. them a bunch of yellow cards because they were so bad at it. Yes, it turns out that they laugh mostly at their own jokes. <laughs> yes, they try. Well, that's always been the fun Sometimes of the other Sometimes before one. they execute the joke. <laughs> Sometimes you just, you think you're going to make someone else laugh, but it's just you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's definitely one you just kind of have to sit with first to spend yeah. time with, but... uh you know, there's good stuff in there. Yeah, so anyway. But yeah, like, why... There's 1,400 episodes of Gaki no Tsukai. Why aren't they... Why isn't there just a channel that plays them? Just a, just two of them a day between 6 and 7 p.m. like The Simpsons. That's what I'm saying. That's what and I'm saying. And it's just whatever, whatever plays that week plays that week. Are they uh, on a marathon where they go to 40 different Salisbury steak restaurants around <laughs> Tokyo and you have to eat a steak at every one? <laughs> what are they doing? Yeah. Is yeah. it Silent Library? So anyway, Korea's just way, 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 way ahead of them in terms of exporting their whole deal. Yeah. Because um, I don't know about a Japanese pop group that isn't from 20 years ago. and um, Well, and that's only because we very briefly had the international channel slash AZN TV. So that's why you know about Glay. Exactly. Glay and Orangey Rangey and all of them. Yeah. So... <clears throat> 
on the twenty sixth. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah oh, just to ahead. wrap it up. Uh, that's why I, I I couldn't come up with anything on the fly. It was all just K-pop songs. I ain't no one heard of these. So. <laughs> On the 26th, Ryan wrote in, at brother date, I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. And then he has posted a screenshot of a chat GPT window where he has, I guess, we don't see what his request was. That's what I wanted to know. But the summary uh, is, appears to be asking for the top five episodes of TNG with our rubric using our rubric mm-hmm. take slash theme execution characterization and world building um it thinks the best one is the inner light and it gave it 40 out of 40 yeah well i gave it eight out of 40 so yeah so <laughs> that's, Jet GPT are not in agreement. we're a little off on that one but the measuring uh, man does end up with a 36 and what did i give it uh 30 I gotta go way back in the Yeah, it's pretty years. far back. It's a, a season two. Uh, I gave it a 31, which All is right. the best I've ever given anything. So that's not too far off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, if you gave it a 31, I must have given it a 26. Yeah, both are all-time highs. Same episode. Yeah, so basically uh, they think uh, the chat GPT has responded to him. The Inner Light, Yesterday's Enterprise, Best of Both Worlds, 1. Measure of a Man and Chain of Command, 2. Yeah. Um, and it also has the, uh, disclaimer, free research preview, chat GPT may produce inaccurate information about people, places, or facts. (laughs) I like that they have to put that in there. They know these AIs are just wild and out here. They don't fucking, they're not going to stand behind anything an AI says. Yeah. So it was able to generate scores in this rubric, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it don't, it don't know what these episodes, whether these episodes are good or bad. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and uh, Ryan responded when you asked about this, uh, that he was using old GPT for something unrelated and went on a rabbit hole and then wondered if he could use our rubric to come up with anything remotely Was he using it to craft a statement about a sensitive event that had recently happened? Because people keep doing <laughs> that. Do you think he was using it to write an apology? Maybe it was an apology for something that it, that he had done or something that had happened at work or something because for some reason people think that's a super good idea i don't have time to write this apology uh the ai will do it uh last time we got that very nice message from at half underscore vice and we asked if that was maybe captain kirk's dildo and i don't (laughs) think the answer is going to turn out that it's not oh wow uh but he responded to that prompt might have been two ago i don't remember Hmm. uh sorry i guess i should have prefaced that i'm a relatively new listener I've been busy moving recently, so I was a bit distracted. Over the years, I've watched most of the Trek series a few times, save TOS, which I've seen once. I've struggled in rewatching some of the series like Voyager and Enterprise, so hearing your recaps and gripes helped me helped remind me of some of the bull the writers put me through. Mm. Also, I really enjoyed the grading rubric you used to obliterate Voyager and Enterprise. Well, look, man, they're doing it to themselves. And he says, uh, as to who I am, half or Matthew from New York works. I've seen most of your Trek episodes, so that was why I wasn't actually aware what most of your mailbags contained. Uh-huh. Though I really enjoyed your top first tracks of albums episode two. Ah, check that out. So he is probably the one person who wouldn't think that the way all of my playlists are structured now is crazy. That's <laughs> true. Like you have gone through. Go on a drive with Katie and I just put on a playlist and she says, and what track number are we listening to today? And then I say seven. 
Now, once you get past, like, I don't know, nine or ten, you're going to start to get fewer and fewer and fewer options. How many have you gone up uh-huh. to so far? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no. My, I've, uh, I have organized my entire. Uh, oh, so that goes through all whatever the highest album you have. There is uh, a, that is that is correct. Which is I there a playlist with one song on 31. it? No. So here's what I did. Uh, okay. So tracks one through eight are all on their own. Okay. Um, by track eight, I've only got 43 songs on it, which is just over two and a half hours. Okay. Uh, so I combined nine and ten. Is that because that's the catcher slot and everyone puts bad hitters there, or just because there are, you've finally found a, a point where the uh, the records don't have as many of those? Yeah, it's just a lot of reasons, right? Like, EPs don't have a track eight, you know? Sure. Um, and then I've, there's a lot of albums where the only ones that I know that deep in the album by name, because I'm not listening to all these songs when I put this list together, right? I'm scrolling. You use so Chat I have GPT to recognize to the it. song. I could use ChatGPT. Sure. Are, like, really old ones. So by the time you're into the tracks eight and above, it's, like, uh, a lot of Frank Black, Midnight Oil stuff. Stuff that I've known long enough that I know the names of every song on the record. Mm-hmm. So I've got nines and tens grouped together. That came out to 45 songs, a little over three hours. And then I've got elevens and twelves. That's another two and a half hour playlist. And then just 13 plus, And there's only 28 songs on that list anyway. Some of those old records are, like, uh, double EPs and, like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, songs in the key of life. The track list starts over again. You know what I mean? Like, how how mm-hmm. is how is that handled? Are, are are there two ones from songs in the key of life? Yeah, those would both be ones. <clears throat> so both, isn't she lovely? And uh... <sighs> there's lots of ways I could look this up. Yeah, but I'm scrolling remember. through the track one playlist. <laughs> this is what... which is the stupidest way because there's 76 songs. On. Look, man, this is what has happened. I now no longer remember oh, what sequence uh, it's Love's in are. Need of Love Today. Okay, yeah. Which so. is, of course, on the list. Can you believe that Love's in Need of Love Today? <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh... Oh, man, that's a good song. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that one's almost all fade out, too. That one's like a minute and a half of song and then like four minutes of fade out or something. That, uh, that one and Heaven is Ten Zillion Light Years Away mm. are, t- are in the same have the same feeling to me sure yeah i really like those two yeah why should my color black make me a lesser man it's a good question there you go think about that one everybody come on and fall in love (laughs) uh all right well there we go we got a, a, a listener yeah, so uh Whoops. welcome welcome aboard. By the way, the one the one person that we assumed everyone was doing the other thing, listening to the mailbags and not the Star Trek episodes, but uh <laughs> Yeah, you're doing it wrong. That's what made sense to us. Matthew from New York, you're doing it wrong. Um on the twenty seventh, uh I guess Ryan had written something about we don't know what her hours are. Yeah, I assumed he was bag. talking about Troy because I had made a joke about how Troy is off on the weekends. <laughs> Yeah. And he says, uh, here, are we sure it wasn't about Guinan shifts at 10 forward? Just tell us if we were wrong. Do you really not yeah. remember? So you can't get points for that. You don't get I'm the not win. Playing. I'm not playing the song for that. Yeah. Um, he also writes, uh, and I, this has to be in response to my criticism of Jordy just fucking walking through the walls to get to other parts of the ship. Like, he just knows how to do that. Uh, maybe. It, uh, you sure it wasn't about the inner light where Picard leaves that house and then he's 
gone all day and he comes back at night and I said I would have ended up under a bridge because there's no way I would have been able to find myself back to the home I oh. ran out of half a fucking away. I guess, I guess that would make sense too, huh? Yeah. Uh, he says it's not that strange. Some people can wayfind without taking known paths. See, this is why I thought about the... Mm, could be. Because, like, just following a bunch of streets. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Uh, it's not super common, but it's not super rare. It takes a little bit of skill and a little bit of how your brain works in visualizing the map. So I guess Ryan's bragging that he's like a super explorer. <laughs> yeah, we out there, can huh? assume which one. Yeah, he is. Well, he's—I'm sure he's. Uh, you know, probably calls himself trail master out on those hikes. Right. I, the reason that I went silent there is because I was trying to think if I'd ever heard him describe himself as a trail master. <laughs> it's just it a guess. Felt credible. Yeah. Felt credible is all I'm going to say. It's like how whenever we're playing the Pirates game, we come across a shipwreck and I say that I'm a dive master and it's going to be okay. <laughs> I'm going to be able to get all the treasure out of there. You were right, by the way. You absolutely can sell gems to Hunter's Call. There you go. See? That's, that's I think, the only decent way to do it. Fishing. Fuck that. Yeah, it Fuck takes a it. long time. And it doesn't even go up that much. Oh no, it goes up very little. Even if you catch a perfectly cooked a trophy fish, yeah. So what the? I don't know who enjoys fishing so much that they would grind that one out. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, uh, Ryan writes in New Orleans, you have to tip extra to get a street band to play when the Saints go marching in. Well, now I definitely feel like he was talking about the next phase. This is ex- <laughs> that one's the next yeah, phase. Exactly. That one's That's not the inner the light. Phase. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that would apply to the inner light. Did someone try to play that? With the inner light. I don't think. I don't Did Batai on the flute? Was he like, "Hey, play, play when the Saints go marching in"? <laughs> hey, I'm sick of Frere. Cayman, can we can we jazz it up, Cayman? My best friend Cayman, uh, fucking player character Cayman. Uh, can you play when the Saints go marching <laughs> in on that thing? Oh man, um, do you think if uh, Captain Picard had been played by Tony Danza, then both? <laughs> Then both Picard's first name would have been Tony, and also in the inner light, Cayman's first name would have been Tony. Tony. <laughs> it would have read his brain and known. Yeah, he's not going to be able to do this. <laughs> just at least give him his first name back, because there's just no shot. Like, listen, man, uh, we can't have it. We can't have the whole video game. Someone going Tony, and then him just going to do a blank. Or <laughs> Cayman, Cayman. Someone, and then him doing a blank stare, and then Cayman, that's Cayman. You. Cayman. Tony. You're Cayman. All right, Jean Luc. I mean, look, I guess he could have said, you know what? Um, my name is Jean-Luc now. I know you guys all call me Cayman. <laughs> this is Jean-Luc now. Everybody had to put up with it when Sting did it. That's right. My name is Jean-Luc. I know it sounds weird and alien, but it's that's my name. Also, uh, I met a guy uh, not far from here when I was taking that walk, and he told me that I'd always be Jean-Luc to him, and it felt right. <laughs> Just felt safe yep uh 50 minutes ago you retweeted <laughs> your buddy bum chillips sure and he appears to be tweeting about if this is real this is it's definitely ad, real ad from uh <laughs> development of eastern poland <laughs> which appears to have the european union imprimatur on it also mm-hmm. and it's an advertisement for the website www.whyeasternpoland.eu as in why? And it Why is there an Eastern Poland? It shows a man in an armchair with a tie giving you an angry look, and it says, 
What will you say when your father-in-law asks, why didn't you invest in Eastern Poland? <laughs> he, the, whole, the way they keep saying Eastern Poland, it keeps making me laugh. Because <laughs> there are like four or five of these that I've seen that are real. <laughs> One of them's like, what are you going to tell your kids when they ask you why you didn't invest in Eastern Poland? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just so specific to me as the ugly American, I guess. Eastern so it's Poland. Very- this is very strong. Everybody go uh, look at this ad on Twitter, and maybe there's more in the thread. Um, uh, your, your buddy Bum Chillips wrote, this is this is father-in-law. He grips his chair in anger and does nothing but think of my infuriating ignorance of Eastern Poland. <laughs> uh, that was a little bit of a tough one. I was going to do that AI beer commercial, but it's way too visual for this <laughs> Yeah, I don't want... I'm not going to describe the ai beer commercial but uh everybody check that out for sure too <laughs> it it borrows the uh ai uh the ai learned fucking smash mouth song from a a project that i saw years and years ago where someone kept feeding the ai the smash mouth songs and then at one point he just goes well the hits don't coming, coming and they don't stop coming they don't stop coming and they don't stop coming they don't stop coming they don't stop coming and eventually i think it turns into a hell scream in the real one but uh, anyway, that's a great one. Uh, and then you also retweeted our buddy uh, John Bois from Secret Base. Yes. Who uh, in in brackets after sneezing kind of hard twice in a row writes World Star. That's right. His, yeah. All of his tweets are uh, they're special in their own way. His tweets are very strong, and his long form videos are amazing. Yeah. I mean, late, uh, five hours ago, he tweeted, be sure to keep up to date with the latest in tech. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Sorry, I didn't deliver as many good tweets this week. I apologize. Busy, you know. Doing the Star Trek project. Yeah. Takes up all my time. Uh, it's truly unfortunate the amount of time it takes. It's wild. I guess that's the end of the mailbag, and unfortunately, that means we do have to talk about Star Trek. All right, well, we've been here for long enough not talking about it, so. Yeah, no shit. We did a, actually a full podcast's worth, so this really... This really is just the mailbag pod and the Star Trek pod combined. Yeah, it really does question the utility of combining them in some ways. No, no, no. We... I still only have to do this every other week. That's true. It's fine. We still get to play Sea of Thieves next Wednesday instead. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. It's week 125 of the Star Trek project. Sorry, We're, just, you know, can't help but thinking about how time keeps on slipping. <laughs> Some would say it has taken us seven years to get here. Uh, last week, the uh, the big L went to TNG. With the, the immortal episode, The Inner Light. The, the beloved episode, The Inner Light, took the L for the week. So we're going to talk about TNG first, and um, this week we talked about another classic, Time Zero. I remember that. I'm like a fucking weapon. They just, like, they just rarely lose. Yes, it's rare that I get to play that clip, but, uh, you know, I recorded it, so I might as well use it once in a while. Yeah. 
Enterprise has been recalled to Earth on a priority mission due to the discovery of extraterrestrial artifacts dating back 500 years. They told Picard all of this on the radio, and he brought the ship just hurtling through space to, to come and see what it was. But they were keeping a secret, and we'll get to it. Yeah, they did the thing that everyone does, except they did it among amongst the cosmos. They said, you, you come better see come this? see this all the way on Earth. And he, yeah, right. He jetted back over there. Why not? He brought a thousand people and the <laughs> what we've come to believe is the Starfleet's flagship back to Earth because they found artifacts. I mean, they're going to be way behind trying to get to Pacifica. They, oh, for sure. <laughs> so far behind. There's a lot of conferences that they've missed because of trivial bullshit like this. Yeah. Um, they must have also told him to come down with data and no one else. Because that's the two that beam into this fucking cave under San Francisco. Yeah. Where a guy walks him around. Real slow reveal. He shows him some normal shit from the 1800s. <laughs> like a Colt revolver and a pocket watch that's inscribed with the date 1889. Uh-huh. And then he's like, <clears throat> so... um, There's triolic waves. This place is fucking full of triolic waves. And uh, those those aren't on Earth, so... Yeah, you know it's aliens, and Picard's like, "All right," you know. Data scans around, and he's like, "Yeah, there's trilog waves or whatever." <sighs> then he takes him over to another corner, and he's like, "Anyway, here's Data's head." <laughs> You're right. It would have been way less interesting if it had been the uh, fucking archaeology officer, mission specialist, yeah. or whatever had gone down with Picard. Yes, exactly. But they must have told him to bring Data, and like, yeah. Not, you know, hey, don't just send Riker and an archaeologist. That's right? not going to or... do it. I need you <laughs> and I need data. Don't worry about it. I'm just going to show you some old relics. Not a you big don't got to bring you don't got to bring Worf. It's safe down here and there aren't any doors. So it won't be funny if you bring him. Um, you no, I will not no... tell you what this is regarding. Definitely bring data. It's not a trap. We're not going to like put a bag over his head and uh, whoops, there's Maddox and it's a dissection, right? <laughs> No, yeah, Picard does ask, okay, all right, but there's actual archaeologists on Earth, so why am I here? And that's when they show up Data's head. Yeah, he should have asked that before he took the ship, that's all I'm saying. Well, Picard takes everything back up to the ship, including the old artifacts, <laughs> and I don't know why. Uh, those are his now. <laughs> yeah. He, he said, you brought them. me all the Find way back keepers. here, these are part of my collection now. Takes everything back up to the ship. Uh... Data pokes around at his head while well, everyone stands around him and asks him questions yes. about how yes. come he's not losing it. Yes. How can he just do this like normal? And no one is more baffled than Commander Riker. The he whole wasn't episode. In the, he wasn't in the first <clears throat> scene. I don't know what Picard told him. He may have just walked into engineering and seen it because he is shocked. <laughs> uh, Data confirms that it is his head. He's sure of it. Picard mentions Lore, and the captions don't spell Lore's name right. And uh, Data's like, no, Lore's got some left-handed shit in there, and that's why he's evil. Mine's right. a right-handed one, so it's all good. Yeah, the diagram, when Soong was building it off of a kit that he found, and it said you could build it either way. And yeah. uh, he chose the left orientation for Lore and the right orientation for me. I'm sorry, did you think he invented it? No, no, that was a kit. Why do you think I'm so broken? Well, the crux of the first part of the episode is uh, Data's morally certain that there's no way to prevent this from happening. He is uh, 
Like, he's a real fatalist about it. Yeah, man. Like, Bill McNeil, when he finds out he's only going to live to be 280 or whatever, he's Uh terminal. And that's (laughs) that. He's going to die, and that's that. Uh, It's the other way around, right? He finds out he's only going to live to 80, and he assumes he treats it like he's terminal, and then he finds out he's going to live nearly forever. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he dumps his hot woman. He thinks he's going to die in 40 years or whatever, and he says that he's terminal. He's going to die, and that's that. (laughs) Yes, you're right. Later on, he finds out he'll live to be nearly 300. Yeah. Um, I just found out I'm going to live to be... I want to live nearly forever. Yeah. Uh, Jordy thinks whoever these aliens are the, with the trialic waves, they got to be shapeshifters. Because they got to have a certain type of cell membrane. But also, here's the big news. He found, like, a little microscopic guy with him. Oh. Like a little single-celled life form. Yeah. And that is from Davidia 2. They there know about this one. That's quick. So off they go to the Marab sector. This is Jordy's whole deal, man. Last week he was like, I got it. Send me uh, your data on that probe. I'm going to find its home in a minute and a half. Yep. You know what he is? It turns out he's the actually better at computers than anyone else on the ship except data. We've actually covered that. That came up in Clues. He often says that... Uh, Data's better or whatever, but I don't know. Uh, well, recently, they um, they built that Borg uh, shape. And it was <laughs> him and Data presenting. And at together. first, we were like, Data must have done that. But then we thought more about it, and we said, nah, the computer did that for sure. 100%. <laughs> yeah, they just asked the right prompt. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, while they're flying off to find this uh, microscopic life form's home, Jordy tries to get Data to open up about his impending death. Um, because everyone on the ship, including the actor Brent Spiner, has forgotten that Data doesn't have emotions yeah. and wouldn't be freaking out about this. So they're all they're all on a spectrum between puzzled and offended that they're <laughs> just trying to go about his business as usual. I uh, the, there's one good scene in the entire episode. I'm just gonna spoiler alert everybody. <laughs> this wasn't a good one. Uh, and it's in Ten Four uh, where. Uh, Jordy asks Data if he wants to talk about it, and Data's like, no, nah, I don't really need to. Do you want to talk about it? And Jordy goes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nope, you're right. That was the that was the nice uh, little touch this yeah, week. That was the small touch from TNG. Um, that it, it is a little it is a little bit ruined by at the very end of that scene, Jordy walks out and we fucking smash pan on Whoopi Goldberg and she says, full circle. Well, anyway, we'll get to this scene. We'll get to it. Um... Data is kind of comforted about all of this because fundamentally dying is a thing that humans do. Yeah. And so, you know, this and is he, this is a way in which he's like everybody else. He truly is just like, give me that human shit. Uh, you mean the part where they're like, uh, you can knock their heads off their body? Yeah, that's the best stuff. That's the one. That's, that's what I love. That makes me feel so good just to think about that. That's what I want. Make me human. And then the, you know, I can get my block knocked off. I've been I've been all busted up about this since disaster when i had made commander Riker take my head off and he almost <laughs> puked in fact i th- he said he didn't puke but i could smell it with my super android nose that he puked in his mouth yeah uh and so since then i've been thinking maybe if my head came off i should die that's right and this is proof right here yeah so here we go yeah um anyway he gets called to the bridge because uh marab davidia 2 is not far away i guess no, no, this is one of those episodes where they uh, traverse some distance uh, without anyone commenting on how long it's going to take. 
No, but it is fucking absolutely a thing of Star Trek that although they should know when they're going to arrive somewhere, no one is ever prepared. They're always like sitting down to dinner and then they get called up there and it's like, well, you guys, hey, Jordy, you knew you were going to get this whole date in. Yeah. How you knew it you were going to show up right there. This information is uh, disseminated to like cruise ship passengers when they're going to be in right. port. But like you guys never know. You, the senior staff of the ship, have no idea. Well, after Data gets up and goes to the bridge, uh, Guinan comes over and she gets the summary sort of for the first time about what's happening. They found Data's head under San Francisco. He died 500 years ago. And something happens on her face. And then when Jordy gets up and leaves, she says out loud to nobody. Yeah. Full circle. Yeah. What do you mean to nobody? She's got an imaginary friend. I mean, well, yes, it's a Tarkasian or Tarkasian or, razor beast. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Troy and Riker do a walk and talk about how absolutely bummed out everyone on the ship is and how Riker is angry. He doesn't want to admit it at first, but he is angry and he doesn't know why. And she doesn't have like a million years. <laughs> she like she starts to explain it. They're talking it through. But then Data rolls up in a turbo lift behind them mm. and he notices the way they just stopped talking because it's been happening to him all over. And then he and uh, Riker and Troy agree that they're all best friends. They're yeah. the the new Turbo Lift Three. That's right. <laughs> Cannot wait for these adventures. The yeah. fucking continuing adventures of these dorks. Oh, the fucking Dream Team plus Riker. <laughs> that's what the, that's what they were missing. You know that time. That's what messed them up that one time. Is they were dream teaming <laughs> about Riker, and he really needed to be there. He was too busy. Are you talking about in Darmok? When no, they I'm almost about, fucking. Oh, I see. I'm talking about in peak performance. When they're dream teaming, but what they're dream teaming about is Will Riker. You know, about how he's not conventional and how he's going to be the man that he's meant to be or whatever. Yep. Yeah, that was the problem. They, he needed they've to be all, in the room. They've overlooked that every single instance they've brought up is sensor <laughs> tricks, tricks, so we should probably look out for sensor tricks. maneuver, sensor trick. <laughs> all right, Mr. Worf, let's start with some sensor tricks. I don't know if I ever thought that episode was good. Sure. Like, there's a lot of things there. Obviously, the redhead got transferred after he let Wesley steal all of that antimatter. Yeah. But, like, man, <laughs> man, that really bumped. That was one of the ones that I discovered when I had pneumonia, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't. That's help the re- sort of the reason we're doing this. Um, But, yeah, you're right. I guess Riker was the one who put them on the other assignment, and he should yeah. have been in the room. He should have been in, in the room. But he was too yeah. busy trying to make the whole ship a phaser. So, what can you do? <laughs> Well, turns out Jordy was right. Um, they get to Davidia 2, and Data immediately picks up a temporal disturbance down on the planet. And um, Riker <laughs> takes an away team down, which pointedly does not include Data. Mm. And uh, he's not fooled. He goes to Picard's ready room to discuss it right away. He says, it's because I'm an android. This again. <laughs> this again. How many times I have yeah. to come in here? He for sure goes in there prepared to have another hard conversation about uh, discrimination. Mm-hmm. No, his attitude about this is you can't cheat fate, and it doesn't make any sense to take him off the away team. Well, the guy who woke up Data on that planet told him, you don't have any emotions, and fate is a real thing, and you can't beat it. And so Data just holds these things very close. And Picard doesn't um, like try to talk him out of this. He doesn't say a bunch of stuff like, uh, look, Data, if I knew there was a particular risk to any crewman, I wouldn't send them down there. Like... This yeah. is normal. That what I'm doing here is, is sort of responsible. Not to get your head blown off your body. That's all, buddy. Yeah. Instead, he's just like, I'm sure going to try to cheat fate, though. 
Yeah, well, also, so, like, I don't know. Just point to the adventures of Captain Kirk or whoever. Uh-huh. And be like, nah, you can, though. You can just change history if you want. Do whatever you want, man. Yeah, uh, maybe in it's some... good. Maybe there are some uh, intellectual properties in which time travel works the way you're describing data, but uh, this ain't this ain't. <laughs> this one's kind of a make it up as you go kind of thing. So, like, I I, I get it. It's going to turn out that oh, but have you looked at a picture of Gabriel Bell recently? <laughs> oh, it's Cisco all along. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it oh. wasn't before, but now it is. See what I mean? Do you see what I mean, data? <laughs> it wasn't before. Uh, Worf, Jordy, Troy, and Riker beam into some cave, and luckily it's a weekday, so they brought Troy along, <laughs> because right. she goes and stands next to a humidifier and announces that there are hundreds of terrified human lives present in that cave that, um, no one could see or hear, but she knows they're there from her senses. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out they do some more scan and it turns out that the occupants of the cavern are out of phase with enterprises timeline by 0.004%. And that means they're invisible and you can't interact with them, but I guess they're not hidden from telepathy, but don't think about that. Well, her powers are, you know, the they're, big question uh, honestly, mark. they're kind of magic. Yeah. Telepathy is magic in this show. Unless Odo has uh, a brief for all of his officers to put telepathic fucking, dampers all yeah. over the promenade yeah yeah yeah. or maybe the time that uh kes just uh walked in the room and she's like no i had the doctor turn off your telepathic powers <laughs> i was like what <laughs> what right but most of the time they're magic they work across light years instantaneously etc yeah <clears throat> um jordy and data agree that they could probably get us use a subspace field to get into phase with these guys but it's going to take a pretty sensitive phase discriminator to do that and wait a minute <gasps> wait a minute data's got one of those in his brain his is a type r not like lore's lore's is a type l everyone remember that l for lore yeah l for in case lore, we ever have to think about this again as i proposed earlier it's just left and right yep yeah. <clears throat> um so since there's only one is in Data's head, he's got to join the away team. Uh, he beams in. Riker again looks shocked. And I just he wanna, tells Riker. Did they say it was the only one in the galaxy or just the only, the one, only on one on the Enterprise? Why don't they just go get another one then? I mean, that star system is uh, 14 minutes away. Yeah, it, for sure they got time. First of all, whatever's happening, they have reason to believe is happening in the past anyway. Yeah, what, yeah, exactly. As always, what's the hurry? I say in every time travel episode, everyone keeps what's talking the hurry? about what a hurry they're in, and I just go, why though? <laughs> this happened 500 years ago. Yeah, they for sure have time to go back and get one off the shelf or just call mm-hmm. the Daystrom Institute and say, hey, we're going to be back there in two hours. You think you can whip up a phase type R phase discriminator? Yeah, big fat one. Just like the best one, so that we can get them real sensitive shifts. Can you do that for us? Yes, you can. Good. Then I don't have to risk my android who's fucking blown up headward. Whatever. Yeah, well, they send him down. So he beams in. He tells Riker that once he makes this adjustment, he's about to become invisible. And he'll be able to talk to them because he's modified the communicator. But they won't be able to talk to him. (laughs) They'll be able to hear him. Sure. And off he goes. He tells them that there are a lot of life forms there and that they're ignoring him. Maybe they don't see him. They're like, 
Kuang Su tall, and they have no eyes or ears, and they're sucking energy from a cave hole into their mouth hole. Looks like a persimmon is dangling above their head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he says they have wretched toenails. <laughs> Rotten. Rotten toenails. <laughs> uh, he doesn't see any humans around. Um, but what he does see is a snake in a force field. And then two of the creatures release the snake, and it opens a space-time distortion, and that sucks data in. Now, I'm going to tell you, we didn't see any of that. Yeah. No, that's all just audio. Yep. That is just a scene of uh, Jordy and Troy and Riker standing around in a cave listening to a, a tape being played to them. Yep. Um, but now we see data, and he's in olden times. He's in the he's most obvious stones studio fucking- lot. Of all time. Hey, everywhere. Uh, he starts asking around, trying to find the snake people. He gets laughed at. Some drunken sailor calls him a Frenchman. Yeah. And it turns out he's in San Francisco in 1893. Uh, yeah. He meets an old 49er who gives him some tips on panhandling. And he sort of, he's trying to get things sorted out, trying to find a hotel, a job, etc. He hears about a poker game from a bellboy, Jack London. Yeah, his bellboy's Jack London. Everybody, you remember Jack to, London, the writer? That's his bellboy. <laughs> decides he's going to make a little money at this poker game. Hi, my name's Jack London, you see? <laughs> he actually doesn't say it in this episode, but it's no. Jack London. It's Jack London. He beats Gul Dukat and an Indian <laughs> and two old-timey fatsos. In this poker game. I really appreciated how Mark Alamo uh, doesn't do any voice work in any of his characters. It's just oh. it's just Alamo. <laughs> yes. Because if I well, at times when I was just taking notes and not really looking at the screen, it was just like, yeah, that's Gold Cop playing poker with Theta. There you go. Yep. That's the it's just like in my fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, this week Gold Cop pulls up a chair at the old poker game. <laughs> Uh, he stakes his communicator and he wins several pieces of their clothing and wears them back to the hotel for 20 seconds. But I guess they already had to source that clothing to dress those guys, so whatever. Right. Uh, he gives the bellboy he met earlier, Jack London, uh, some money and sends him off to get some supplies because he's claiming to be an inventor. And when the bellboy, Jack London, runs off, he passes the old 49er, and then we see this guy get absolutely bone jacked by a dude with a snake cane and a woman with a medical bag <laughs> kind of right in front of everybody but very realistic in that no one yeah pays any attention to the homeless. No so yeah they just they're like is that a crazy homeless guy screaming at two well-dressed people <laughs> whatever uh, i wish they'd get rid of those guys Hey, did it look like light came out of her medical bag and ate his soul? I don't know, he probably he deserved it. it. Just fucking probably a reflection off a window or something. He decided to be there, so... What are you, a Frenchman? That's right. <laughs> Back in the future on the Enterprise, Picard wants to carry on with his mission, even though all Riker wants to do is to find data. Yeah. But this is an absolutely meaningless argument because carrying on with the mission means continuing to investigate the cave where data is. <laughs> what are you talking about? We should continue the mission. What about data? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's that's what we're talking about. <laughs> it's just, um, listen, once data says there's a, there's a snake, the whole episode goes off the rail. <laughs> yeah, so. so pretty early on. It's pretty early. It's uh, just, it, I was very depressed when I had paused it. 
Did you tell uh, Marlon you had to watch some K-pop videos because you felt bad about your life in general? (laughs) You just had a bad feeling about about your life and you needed something to cheer you up? No. Okay. I didn't tell your wife that. But I will next time. Yeah, send her a little chat next time. No, what happened is at this point, I paused it right when Data had disappeared because Ben was trying to figure out how to restring a guitar for his daughter. And Mm. I, I I was sending him a bunch of texts and I was like, just come over here. We'll do it together. Yeah. So then I saw Ben, hung out with Ben for 15 minutes, and then I came back and watched the rest of this episode. And how did he feel about the episode? He's watched them all, right? He's uh, he's up to date. Uh, I, I didn't even tell him which one I was watching, I don't think. Jordy right. uh, has to try to build a phase discriminator like Data's, but he's going to be able to whip one up. Worf, at this point, he's been thinking, and he's like, hey, you know, we knew Data died in the past, but if if we go back in time, we might die there too, and our bones would just just be dust by now. And no one says, "I don't think five hundred years is enough <laughs> no. in a dry cave to but turn your Klingon bones into bones, dust." Though, yeah. and that guy didn't say. Well, by the way, we found a Klingon skeleton in here too, <laughs> and they didn't find Jordy's visor. Like, there's lots of reasons to think this isn't it, but I do love the moment where Worf is like, "Is this where I die?" Yeah. Is it going to be it for, is it curtains for all Wharf down here? I got to tell you, I'm just going to be honest. It doesn't feel like it's a good day to die. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, know you're I just supposed to say lot. that every time you're there's may, might be danger, but I'm just like being genuine about it. It doesn't feel like a good day. But I don't want my gravestone to read, here lies Wharf, son of Mo, bitten by a snake in the past. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd like to have that on mine now. No, oh, not the wharf part, good. but the part of where I was bitten by a snake in the past. Yeah. Uh, Guinan calls Picard down to see her. She has concocted an elaborate cocktail demonstration so that at a specific moment she can make the whole fucking thing evaporate mm. and just say, the, the upshot is, he's got to go on this away mission, even though that ain't normal. Yeah. Yep. She has usual, she picks her spots, yeah. you know. Exactly. If he doesn't, she'll never meet Guinan at all, because she doesn't. He doesn't really remember their first meeting. Yeah. Also, she didn't do a good job of laying out the stakes. I, I think she. I think the part that she doesn't say there is supposed to be the important part about why they won't ever meet at all or whatever. But like, yeah, she just lays the stakes out as you'll never meet me, and he just just go. I got other things going on. <laughs> She's. Oh, don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm glad. I'm glad I met you. We're good friends. But like, I, I got a lot happening. She's lucky that Picard's whole attitude about <clears throat> all of the women he knows is happy wife, happy life, <laughs> and that like whenever Crusher comes up and she's like, "My moss grew funny," and I want to know what you're gonna do about <laughs> That's it. That's right. Or, Full fucking scale investigation. Start with Ogawa. exactly. Or Guinan's like, "I think you gotta make Tasha Yar die." He's like, "I well, think you gotta kill Tasha Yar." I've got to lose the space war too. All right. <sighs> Guinan said it, and you know she's got. She says she's got powers. And I listen, don't I don't want to fucking deal with it if I don't do it. <laughs> I'm going to be mildly irritated that someone wants me to do my job, and but I'm just going to do it because that's how I interact with women. Yep. <clears throat> um, back in the past, Data has built some kind of laser device, which. He he lets the bellboy, Jack London, hmm. think is kind of a new a new motor for a horseless carriage. 
this actually is pretty the most impressive thing about this is not the data can build this device it's that when jack london says what is that data goes what do you think it is <laughs> he does show a lot of uh a lot of intuition on that one like this uh we haven't seen data go back in time that about that often but it seems like he's at least thought about how he might handle it in some ways in some ways i mean in that same scene or the scene before that he picks up that anvil like it's nothing he just totally shows off his mega strength that's not a time thing so much though no he should be fast enough to not do that yeah and then and then very sloppily is like oh ow yeah uh the bellboy jack london is Mm. very impressed by data and (laughs) wants to go into business with him uh, he wants to sell whatever it is Data's making. He also gives Data a flat croissant that's wrapped in a newspaper. Yeah, and, that looked um, like a fucking toaster strudel or something. <laughs> that was sad. He really did cram it in his pocket and forget about it, as in the story, huh? This yeah. is not like a fresh one from props. <laughs> no. Like, the, whoever directed this one was like, no, you actually crumple it up and stuff. Make it, it'll seem more real that way. Yeah, and, uh, bring it when from you're, home. When you're in the past and you have your android talking to Jack London, even though he hasn't said that's who he is yet, and also he's <laughs> about to meet Mark Twain, uh, a little realism probably wouldn't go amiss. That's right. Yeah, we're going to need a couple of things to go our way on this one. Just looking at the outline we got here. Well, whose face is right there on the society page? It's Guinan. Oh. Smash cut to Mark Twain. Now, I know I just said his name, but he has not been mentioned so far it's not like when data was trying to figure out where the guys with the snake were it wasn't people saying like i don't know that sounds like some shit that you know have you tried mark twain's fancy party crazy old mark twain Twain always throwing fancy fancy parties all around here maybe they're they look they were dressed fancy maybe they're at mark twain you know the writer mark twain yeah he's got some party going on no this is out of nowhere (laughs) fucking 35 minutes into the episode we smash cut to mark twain holding a little salon and talking some shit about a guy who has re- rediscovered or worked out again the idea that the sun revolves around the earth. Yeah. And he's just c- trying to cut it up. He's cutting it up real good with Madame Guinan, who uh, seems to be a celebrity at this event for some reason. Yes, she decided that she wanted to party on earth in the past and become a celebrity. Yeah. Uh, and she seems a, like a little less than impressed with old Mark Twain. Yeah. He's kind of just a windbag to her. Data jukes past a doorman trying to check a guest list. <laughs> what do you mean? Don't undersell it. He fucking had his robot skills. That was some Barry Sanders shit he pulled out there. It was as sloppy as any of Jordy's shoulder rolls, for sure. He just is like, oh, oh right past you. That guy was <laughs> pathetic. He comes in and he apologizes because Data got in there. He should have fucking fired. He fired himself. He should have yeah. been like, I've been fired and walked out. Um, he hasn't figured out yet that she's Guinan from 1893. Mm. He thinks she's Guinan from his timeline. He thinks that it seems totally normal to him. The idea that Picard might've sent Guinan back in time sure, <laughs> to come find him. I mean, he describes uh, them as shipmates and I was like, well, I guess technically or colleagues or something. He said it does say shipmates. Yeah. And then blurts out the word starship, which catches Mark Twain's ear, because, you know, he's a crafty old guy. He's doing a Babylon 5. He's standing very <laughs> close by. But they don't well, know. They well, can't for, for sure, in the next scene, uh, when Guinan hears starship, oh, she's like, uh-oh, and they step outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
uh, by that point, Data has figured out, I guess, from her actions that uh, that's not what's happening. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay. So I was wrong. I forgot that you lived a long time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you'd ever been back on Earth. Um, but Mark Twain is eavesdropping on this whole thing. Yeah, so now he knows that. everything. Yeah. <laughs> he literally just kind of standing there. He doesn't even like reveal himself. He's just already revealed. Like, how did they not see yep. you? He doesn't I'll even step p- out. He's sitting still. No, a puff of cigar smoke floats over, and that's how they know it's him. <laughs> he's not even he's, there. he's not even bothering to not smoke his cigar. Yeah, it was weird that Data, like, I don't know what Guinan's hearing is like. We never know what her powers are. But it was weird that Data didn't hear him going, mm. I mean, we know Guinan can sense things in other realities that bug her, but apparently yeah. not four feet in front no. of her. They couldn't smell Mark Twain four feet away. Crazy. Uh, all right. Now back on the back in the future, Riker, Worf, Jordy, Troy, and Doctor Crusher are setting up pattern enhancers when Picard beams down to join the away team unexpectedly. Mm. Uh, he sends Worf back up to the bridge because he's read the script and he knows what's about to happen. Also, uh, yeah. All right, go on. Look, I, they're we not, got, I got lots of notes. <laughs> they're not going down there to go to 1893. Nope. They are not dressed for it. They did not bring anything. But for some reason, Picard's like, mm, not you, though, Worf. Mm. The, oh, the uh, security of Enterprise is paramount. Yeah, I don't know. The, did Guyan tell him that part? Did she, like, after that scene was over, but she was mixing <laughs> the drinks, did she hit him, hit him up on the communicator and go, oh, and by the way, don't uh, bring don't, Worf. Th- don't bring Worf. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking A. Uh, they could have just not had Worf down there that time. Yeah, that would have been they very know, easy. They know that cavern's empty. They don't need Worf there. Yeah. Um... Everyone else steps into these uh, pattern enhancers. Jordy starts phasing them, and this time we see what happens, and we wish we'd only heard it. Yeah. Uh, they are indeed surrounded by glowing creeps that are sucking energy fragments in through holes in their foreheads. Crusher figures out that the energy fragments they eat are terrified human souls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, reads on her commute. There's some kind of there's some kind of bio whatever energy. Troy says, oh, yeah, they're not people, but it's like they're imprinted with their terrified last moments of people who died or whatever. You're right. Then they watch as the two weirdos return with their snake and more soul snacks to put in the soul jar. <laughs> and then, but they didn't get enough soul snacks. So then they go nah, right they back, go through back. The, through the fissure. And everyone walks through after them without discussing it to be continued. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because I did fear... Not enough to rewatch the scene that I had missed the part where they convened and said, let's go through the portal. Because no, I thought fucking... I just saw them wordlessly walk through the portal. That's what you but saw. that couldn't be right. Nope. That, that's what you saw. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. Last episode of season five. Matthew, what's this one about? Oh, okay. I, uh, well, something about mortality. Okay. Uh, I, but what statements can you make about mortality that aren't totally obvious uh, on one hand you have Data's weird feelings about finding out he died he's kind of cool with it and everyone else is horrified and then on the other hand you have I don't know like the abject terror of the hobo and all the oh, other yeah. people Troy senses is it a be careful what you wish for like Data thinks it's so great he can die by explosion or something I don't know why he didn't think that was possible but like once you embrace your own mortality there's so much more to fear. 
In fact, everybody but Data does begin to fear his death in a big way. But so what? I don't know. Themes of mortality. I gave it a one. I teased a little bit more out of it, so I gave it a little higher score. Okay. Um, but you're definitely in the area here. Uh, death comes to us all, but you can't just be resigned and wait in the street to be killed. <laughs> I take that. This one's just for you. This is the, the episode for you. At me, which is probably why I'm going to give it four points. <laughs> there you go. Data takes a very fatalistic position here that he's going to die and nothing can be done. So why even try? Yeah. But like, even if he's right, shouldn't we keep doing things the way we would ordinarily do them? Yeah. Like minimize risk in general, act We've done on certain this. specific risks in particular. We've done this. Uh, yeah. you this know, is the, ep- <laughs> the one where the cycle ends here. The one where the cycle ends here. <laughs> a truly regrettable episode. <laughs> For the characters of Picard and O'Brien. Well, you say that. You say that. But if you look at the characterization score I gave it. Let's pull it up here. What was the name of that one? Time Squared? Time Squared? Let's see. Elementary Dear Day. AKA Times Cafe? No, that's Timescape. Time. I can't fucking remember. Control F this shit. You gotta control F it. Uh, fuck. Okay. Uh, we both gave it a six in characterization. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we learned a lot. In the one where he called murdered a guy. No, we gave it a six in characterization because we were both very affected by Picard's utter horror. <laughs> at being the, the Italian boat the captain crew. in his mind? Yes. At the, at the idea that he's Captain Scatino. <laughs> you gave that a 24? That's almost your all-time high. Damn. I don't think of it as being that good. But right? I do. I do remember how absolutely shrunken in Picard is when everyone thinks he's abandoned ship. The instant that Picard pops out of that shuttle, he is ruined. (laughs) It's it's very psychologically haunting. It's an I think you should leave sketch that doesn't push (laughs) past it and become funny. That's right. (laughs) All right. Sorry. I'm going to say it's the one where you can't just move lunch. (laughs) That's right. I don't think you're allowed to do that. Um, with as regard to this take, I don't think there's anyone on the other side of this. I don't think anyone's like, well, we're all going to die, so, so what? Let's, let's literally let's, just let's go stop do even, it. Let's just not even take any steps to prevent it. Yeah. Uh, so it's not going to be a big take. Uh, maybe it's only a three, actually. Okay. Maybe <clears> it's <throat> only a three. Well, I could tell from the description that you thought highly of this episode. So how did it execute? Well, I sort of covered this, right? Everything up until they get to the snake cave is okay. Sure. It's mysterious. There's a lot of emotional work about finding Data's head and so on. Mm -hmm. But then there's a point where they're like, these dudes are 0.004% out of sync with our existence, and it starts to get real sketchy. (laughs) Data talked about his special phase chip earlier, so he's got to go in. And then he says... These tall freaks are using a snake to open a portal to hell. <laughs> and then he meets Jack London, the bellboy, and Mark Twain. And then at the end, the entire away team wordlessly follows the snake people through a hole in space. Uh-huh. It's just an absolute disaster from the moment they reach Davidia 2. <laughs> yeah, 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 yes. This episode is a thousand times better if they don't resolve it at all. If we yeah. never see Data go back in time and he's just like, it's still going to uh, happen someday. One of life's little mysteries. Yeah. How to get there? <laughs> I don't know. 
just 40 minutes of what does it mean that Data's mortal and why doesn't he seem upset and should we try to get where he is for once yeah. instead of expecting him to have emotions about it? That's what we but always no. say. Can you just yeah. make it about one thing and examine that thing and then that'll be better? Yeah, no, we've got to see him play poker instead. Yeah. yeah. Now, I will say this. The Frenchman gag is solid. <laughs> like, it's dumb and I don't know why that first guy thought he was French, but I <laughs> genuinely laughed when he used it as an excuse with the 49er. <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes he's a Brazilian. I'm surprised he didn't bust that one out too. But <laughs> we ain't seen that one since yet. that sailor had. Oh, wait, wasn't oh, no, he a Brazilian? Yeah, we did, in, we did uh, see the point. What the big goodbye or whatever? Yes, I was in the big goodbye. <laughs> Sorry, for some reason I was thinking of when he was an ice man. No, that's that's definitely not happened yet. When he's, I almost said Cayman. Uh, listen, I don't remember the name <laughs> of the character, and we'll have plenty of time to deal with it when we get to it. Okay. Um, but like, this is twenty pretty solid minutes. Like, Riker admits to Troy that he's angry. Like you said, Jordy's like, do you want to talk about it? And Data says no. And then Data says, do you want to talk about it? And Jordy says, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I do. And it's like, oh, this is solid. Yeah. But then they get to the snake cave. That's exactly how I was thinking about it. When they were in 10 forward, I was like, all right, this is better than I remember. All that yeah. other stuff, that's what I remember. Maybe it doesn't happen. Yeah, Did I, I make up all, all that other shit stuff? Where Data is on a stagecoach and Mark <laughs> Twain is there. Oh, God, there's a chase scene, isn't there? Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, no. Uh, I remember Riker's going to have a dumb Bobby's helmet on oh, and stuff like no. that. And I'm like, oh, this is up. But then I'm like, no, this has been, I have actually enjoyed this so far. Like, mm-hmm. Riker, why is Riker so broken up about this? He doesn't know. Troy's gonna, oh, but now they have this awkward thing with Data in the turbo lift. And then he's he's like, you guys were talking about me, right? And Riker's like, no, but Troy says yes at the exact same time. Oh, yeah, I hate Italian food. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I've actually been enjoying this. And then they get to the fucking snake cave. (laughs) Why has it got to be a snake? Okay, all right. Well, I'm sure. Introduce the idea of a snake that opens a portal. I 100%. I guarantee you'll find out with a satisfactory answer next week why it was a snake. And then, the, but the, listen, it's the snake must be so important to them that when they go in the past and they look different, the snake, the cane has a snake head on it, and that's how Data figures out who they are. Yep. <sighs> yeah. So I give it a two. Sure. I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, we've talked shit about this episode for years. And it's totally deserved. Honestly, um, we've mostly been talking shit about part two, so I expect next next week will be even worse. Wild. <laughs> it's uh, just a bunch of fucking nothing. Data dies in a cavern in San Francisco in the 1800s. Listen to all the things I'm saying. Aliens <laughs> are present in that time period, doing something nefarious. We can assume everyone seems much more bent out of shape about the data part, which is understandable. Yeah. They even have a well, they know this guy. It. Yeah, whatever happened in San Francisco 500 years ago already happened. Right. Well, also again, the stakes have not been laid out very well. Well, no one's really sure what the deal is here. But then also, Guinan says the stakes are that she and Picard will never meet, and I know there's an unsaid part about something big changing in time, and that makes the, the thing she said true, And but she, the stakes are, again, not, not laid out very well. So I can't even really tell what the threat is supposed to be or why it matters, and the plan they have is, like, make a thing that'll let us see the aliens, like Data did? Then, I don't know, we'll figure oh, it out? I didn't even fucking mention this. But when Picard is having that argument with Riker, he says that it's imperative that they make contact with the aliens. Mm-hmm. He wants to talk to them. 
That's yeah, what's happening here. The forehead mouths. He wants to just have a chat. He wants to chat it up with them. He wants to have his own uh, fancy party with them. They don't just, and I don't know, maybe this is how the episode is resolved, fire a fucking torpedo into the cavern. <laughs> oh, why did you say that? You know that's how it's resolved. Yeah, I, well, I wasn't sure I remembered it correctly, but they are just going to shoot a torpedo at the snake cave later. Oh yeah, make a thing that'll let us see the aliens, then we'll figure it out from there. Then they all wordlessly file into that snake elevator to the 1800s? Was that yes. the plan all along? No. I must have missed it. No, it turns it, out I didn't. It cannot have been the plan. <laughs> well, they should have told us if that was the plan. I don't think Riker even told, uh, Picard even told Riker he was going to be on the away team. No. When he beams in, everyone looks surprised again. Uh... Then on Earth, it's just Data meets Jack London. Data needs to build something? We don't even know. We have no idea what. I don't know what he's doing. Data meets Guinan. She's frenemies with Mark Twain? Yes. The episode outline must have appeared to be the work of an insane person. It, it is It is wild, though, that this one episode of Star Trek TNG from 1992 uh, is the soft launch pilot for the entire uh, Ricky Lindholm, Natasha Leggero comedy show, Another Period. <laughs> So many plots in Star Trek rely on complete coincidence. Jack London hands Data a Danish or something. Toaster strudel, maybe, they say here. It's wrapped in Guinan's picture. Anyway, he don't want that. But what's on that newspaper? The paper was wrapped in? A big old picture of Guinan. What are the odds? It does seem unlikely. And then they say here, there's some quiet conversations about Data's mortality that suck but feel like TNG. But this is a real yesterday's Taco Bell of an episode. <laughs> Three points. Now, do you eat it cold or do you reheat it? Uh, you're fucked either way. <laughs> I just want to know. Does it have all that nasty lettuce in there? You can't reheat that. No, you can't. So if it's a, if it's a regular soft taco, you're eating it cold. You got to eat it cold because good okay. luck fishing all that shit out of there. So yeah, 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 yeah it's not. But if it's just a bean and cheese burrito, Paul Shear's favorite item on the Taco Bell menu. <laughs> I'm glad that you know that about tall, tall That's why I fucking eventually stopped listening to the minisodes. I just couldn't handle the extra Paul Shear ad reads where he's it's like, let lot. me tell you about my new favorite on the Taco Bell menu, the bean and cheese burrito. He's Fuck the worst you. ad read man in the game, and he reads 50 <laughs> ads per episode. They do so many. It's crazy how many ads they do, and he's bad at every one of them. Um, I guess Manzukas has too much dignity to do the ad reads because he would probably do them okay. Yeah, I would like to hear that, though. It's weird that we've never heard it. Probably because he's not going to volunteer for it and no one ever asked him to because uh, Paul is glad to do them. <laughs> so uh, Anyway, yeah, three for me. I don't know. Fuck. Well, um, uh, world building then. Aliens on Earth 500 years ago. The Branch Davidians or whatever. Uh... They just eating every hobo out here. Yum 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 yum. <laughs> uh, phase conditioners and triolic waves. Yep. Cellular fossils only found on Davidia two. Exochemistry. Yes. Guinan was hanging out and being famous on Earth in the eighteen hundreds. Magic portals to San Francisco of the past. In 1893, you have to imagine she picked that time for a reason. She wasn't there in 1843. Ah, uh, yeah, America, you needed it, you needed to let it age a little bit. Don't want to get there too early. Data and lore are uh, different in ways that I guess are fairly straightforward to identify. 
Maybe they should have learned that. Well, I mean, if you're looking inside their brains. Maybe in data lore, that would have been a good one to take a look at. You know, whose phase whatever is L and whose is R. Don't worry about it, though. Um, uh, in data lore, they thought he lore was dead. You, in Brothers, maybe they could have done that. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, no, wait. Which sorry, the... I've got it backwards. You're yeah, right. Yeah, Data Lore's the one where he pretends to be Data, I think. Uh, yeah, I guess if... But uh, Wesley was already pretty sharp on it. Can you imagine Record being like, let me scan the inside of your head for a minute. <laughs> you you said too much about the hypotenuse of the right triangle, so... You get in that head. <laughs> thought he couldn't do math. He had to pretend he couldn't do math. Somebody call Argyle up here. What was he afraid of? Was he oh, afraid they would know question. he could do math? He's a big He was afraid computer. he was programmed with uh, fucking Euclid's elements or whatever. I, uh... Let's not do Let's not do that. We did that episode six years ago. Let's oh, should we not there. start relitigating season one episodes now? <laughs> let's leave it there. Uh, um, I have it as a three here. Does that make sense? No, but That's whatever. A, I'll it's give it fine. a two. I don't think that makes sense. I must have meant two. I mean, I had it as a two. Um, we have that the second officer is a standard member of the away team to the point where Data thinks he can raise a procedural violation when Picard when Riker tries to leave him off. Well, as and we like know, that was only Plan A. Plan B was definitely discrimination. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. we've seen Data go on a lot of away teams, but that sure. could up until he said that thing about the second officer. That could have just been because he can wrench open doors so good. Yeah, I mean, look, it could have been because he's the science officer. It could have been yep. because of uh, the mega strength. could be because he can do math faster than everyone. Unlike Lore, who can't do math. But apparently, the standard procedure is first and second officers on the away team. No. Who knew? Now we know. Uh, not that it'll ever matter. Yeah. Uh, Guinan was uh, on the Earth in the 1890s, probably there to sink the main. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she, you know, she was. Well, Someone did see it. her there five years early, but you know, well, takes she's time. Gotta, you know, she's got to become famous. That's part of the plan. Yeah. Uh, I guess this must be a different way of being out of phase from two episodes ago. The next phase, because no one fucking mentions it, yeah. including Jordy, who's all over the phase. <laughs> he part doesn't of say, this one. "Hey, you know, a few weeks ago I was out of phase, and um, remember how we solved it, or whatever." What if we shot all of these guys with that beam? Just shoot, the shoot. anion beam? Yeah, use the anion beam on these fuckers. They'll wriggle around. They won't like it. They'll but what tickled. if we shot them with it? It tickles. Yeah, two for me. Okay. All right. Well, this has got to be the strong part of the episode, then. Characterization. Okay, so the standout character performance here is from Riker. Okay. Who is so severely shaken by seeing Data's head that I, the only thing I could come up with to explain it is that he saw red in his toilet drawer this morning. <laughs> he hasn't been by to crush her for a checkup yet, and no. he straight forgot that he had beets for dinner. <laughs> so he's really internalizing a lot of this in a way that he should not be. Yeah, like, death is on his mind, and yeah. he did not need to see that greasy old robot head today. No. Bad day for it. Not today. <laughs> yeah, it could be. He... We will talk about season six and seven Riker. We it's already started. We've already talked about meaning. <laughs> I mean, he's done a lot of that. Some kind of probe. Some kind of probe. What? <laughs> we the on Extra Scientia, the thumbnail, if you go to the episodes, the thumbnail for TNG season six is from Frame of Mind. Good, 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 good. 
And we, we are approaching full what is this Riker at this point. Yeah. And when they're looking, when they're standing around Data's head in engineering, he is fucking blown away. He can't believe that Data can just poke at his own head. Yeah. Just poke at it and say, yeah, that's my head. Yeah, and let me tell you, when he when they all walked out of that turbo lift scene together, yeah. I was like, that's my dad. <laughs> he got that look on his face. That looks I know like, that look. That's dad's look. He but can't he never it. <laughs> he never responds to me when I say to the screen, Papa. Looked just like him. just it was so haunting. He looked yeah. just like him. Um he can't handle it when data beams down to the cave. He can't handle it when Picard beams down to the cave. He is totally off his he is haven levels off his game in this episode. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh Guinan is oddly cagey. She as much as tells Picard they meet on this away mission, so why stop there? Yeah. Why not say dress for 1893 San Francisco and bring money? Yeah, yeah, she has given the game away a bit, for sure. Why didn't Picard tell the away team about his chat with Guinan? Um, like, uh, we see Jordy clearly very broken up also about Data, but we've seen him go to bed in his uniform about it. So yeah, man, that the full Jordy that is consistent. Old Jordy, yeah, the, the full Jordy, the just full Jordy. Go there in your uniform and put your Carl's Junior visor down your, next to you on the bed. Your visor where you can reach it real quick if you need to. Yeah. Um, and of course, Data's just making do. He doesn't have any. This week, he's not emotional. Yeah. Um, and then everyone else is on little league duty. Like I guess Troy has some starts to have some insights, and she's a better at handling Data's death than Riker is. But I think that really just works to show how fucking lost William T. Riker is this yeah. week. Yep. Uh, I have it as a three. I could see a four. Well, it's just a three for me, so. Uh, Riker correctly believes Data should have an emotional reaction to finding that ugly bucket in San Francisco <laughs> because Data is usually extremely emotional. Yes. Riker asks in the staff meeting, what is more important than Data? And nobody says, you mean like, Generally speaking, <laughs> in the universe, what do you mean? Because it's a crazy thing to shout. Yeah. Uh, Data finds it comforting that he apparently dies at some point. Like he didn't think it was possible. His head could get blown off of his dang body. Yes. It's not like they found evidence that he died of old age, that his yeah. fucking servos and gears eventually <laughs> wound down and he died. Bro, that's not how your particular flavor of immortality works. You were not impervious to explosions. Yeah, nobody thought you couldn't get blowed up or fucking Superman across open space and get blown <laughs> yeah, up. Uh, it's, I don't know why that would change anything for you. I'd be like, oh, I guess at some point my head got blown up. Oh, well. Uh, Data, somehow in this episode, knows about tipping, eventually. Despite <laughs> living in the space future with no economy. I mean, it takes a lot of prompting before he says, ah, yes, the gratuity. But he goes, so. ah, yes, the gratuity. It's like, man, so I guess he fucking what... looked it up in his cultural database, huh? In the Outrageous Okana, he didn't know what rogue meant. <laughs> rogue. Yeah, well, it's been a while since they went to the fucking thesaurus well for data. Mm. They, I think they realized they that was not it. an endearing part of his character. Yeah, didn't need it this week. He just thought about it for a bit and went, ah, oh, yeah, I got it tipping. Yeah, I'm on it. Um, Again, doesn't know how to hide his mega strength. No. 
uh, Guinan already knows what's happening in the 1800s because she has been there. Mm-hmm. She decided a fun party would be chatting up with the weird, sh- the weird shitty old Earth's greatest windbags. Why did you think that, though? By the way, I didn't mention who else was at that party, but because we don't learn anyone's name and no one else talks. But uh, there's, like, some duke or something is hanging around there. <laughs> I thought I saw Presumably from Eastern Poland. It could be. I thought I saw a, Ch- a Chinese back there. Yeah, like, there were... probably San Francisco in the 1890s. There probably was. Yeah, there was all kinds of shit going on in there. And uh, and also Guinan. Um <laughs> It's never explained in this episode, and I doubt it's explained next episode why she thought that was a cool idea. But, anyway. Uh, Picard still trusts Guinan's intuition. Troy's powers are nebulous. Why was Worf even on that away team to begin with? I ask again if I missed it, and the plan was to portal it to Mark Twain's party. You can't bring Worf in that (laughs) circumstance, so why was he down there? (laughs) Because he was down there in the first one. It's just, it's just so many things that were not thought out in this episode. Listen, if Riker has to bring Jordy on an away team because there's engineering stuff, or like he's the guy who knows what trialic waves means, sure. then he's gonna bring. So he has to bring someone else to balance it out. I guess so. He's yeah. not hanging out with Jordy alone down there. He said to war. He went to his quarters and he said, "You and I are the clearly the warriors <laughs> on board." <laughs> that gets you a long way with Worf. Yeah, flattery does go a long way with this guy. Yeah, so just a three for me. No real, there were, <laughs> nothing scored very well in this episode. Oh no! I mean, we've t- I've given it a ten, and you've given it a nine. So yeah, it's um okay. I was gonna say, well, it's six points worse than the inner light. That's not an impressive idea. That no, it's no, six no, because you'd think inner light. light big score, but it, it did. Okay, how about this? One. It's three points better than imaginary friend. Okay, I mean that that does make sense actually. Or cost of living. Same score as Perfect Mate. Hey, they haven't been very good lately, huh? Mm, no, they had kind of a rough patch. They pulled it on a, a 30 for Iborg, a real heartstrings episode. 30. But 30 used to be a bad score for them. The first duty you got 41, the outcast got 44. So they had a good three-week period, but lately, not mm. so good. Should I do quick ones? Yeah, let's have them. This fucking archaeologist, it, as you said in the teaser, is savoring this shit. Uh-huh. He saved up Data's nasty old melon until the very end so he could do a cool reveal. Yep. Fucking academics, man. Uh, did you think he was like... It looks like Data's head in a picture. But if it... I'm gonna have Data come down here, and if it's not his head, I'm gonna say, also, we found this head. <laughs> like, I, I just want to make sure that I get a good long time to look at him and figure out that it's him before I show him the head. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Picard says he wants Riker to set a course for Davidia too, and Riker says that he's on it. But like, couldn't either of them just call the bridge? Yeah, you'd think so, and just say it. Like, is Riker <laughs> gonna go all the way to the bridge so he can set a course for Davidia too? They have agreed with a look uh, about the urgency of this situation, <laughs> and because we don't see them make the call, we don't have to know that they went at warp four. Okay, good. Just to give these bad writers a little bit of dap. Guinan is hanging out on Earth in the 1800s. She's partying and having a grand old time, which is whatever. But she is specifically not a bartender. Yes. She does not <laughs> tend to bar in the 1800s. Yes. That is something to keep in mind if you ever watch the show Star Trek Picard. Yes, she's not on 
I don't know. I don't know. You know where this was in San Francisco's development between the sort of Barbary Coast, <laughs> yeah, period of. I mean, it's obviously it's only before the big fifteen fire. years before the earthquake, yeah. right? So, yeah. But uh, you're right. She's not a bartender. She's not a bartender. And in season two of Star Trek Picard, they go back in time to meet Guinan, and you know, she's, is she tending because, bar because she's the bartender. <laughs> That's what she was doing then too. She was being, she was doing bartending. So, in the view of the Picard <laughs> writers, they didn't have her tending bar on the Enterprise because Picard needed a job for his friend. Yeah, no, that's just okay. what she does. That's her. That's cool. her whole deal. Everything about her is actually that. Marjan asks, "We're probably why... once we watch Picard, I think we're going to probably do a wrap up special where we could just yell <laughs> at each other about it." <laughs> I mean, it's really. I, I keep saying I didn't think you could make a worse Star Trek than Voyager. And it's Picard is like a whole tier, but like it's so much worse. It's a, it's way below Voyager. Um, Marjan asks why Data can't take a picture of the aliens instead of describing them. I agree. Can he just take a picture with his dang old eyeballs? Why did Soon suck so fucking so. bad? Why is he worse than an iPad? I mean, to be he could have brought an iPad. To be fair, the communicator was all scratchy and shit. That barely worked. He probably didn't think he could transmit a whole picture. He wouldn't need to transmit it. He didn't know he was going to get sucked into a snake portal. That's the thing. But also, it doesn't fucking matter if he didn't describe them. Because they didn't react to him or the away team. (laughs) No, I'm just saying, man. He's worse than an iPad. He could have brought an iPad. It's fine. Uh, I had best actor candidate nasty old hobo. (laughs) I I also enjoyed the performance of the 49er. He did pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Marjan also points out the zoom in on Hotel Brian. Now, I'm sure if you are into Jack London, that is a big fucking deal. <laughs> if you love Jack London and you see Hotel Brian and you go, oh my God, we're, we're finally not gonna, doing we're it. We're not going to tell them it's Jack London in this episode, so but we're going to lay clues. We're finally doing it. And then you see the bellhop kid and you go, that's Jack. I just know it. <laughs> fucking crazy the zoom in they did on that. <clears throat> no, in this one, he's like, I've been a... Fish cutter on Cannery Row, and I've done this, but they don't specifically. I've been Jack London. <laughs> uh, again, Mark Alamo sighting. <clears throat> his French ain't great, but his character, I guess, was born in New Orleans. So, yeah. Uh, Marjan loves this one. She loves this episode. Just <laughs> giggled the whole time. This one, particularly, not part two. I don't know. We'll see. Not I'm Mr. Sure we'll Pickard and... Uh... <laughs> I'm sure she'll love it, too. She'll definitely love it. Okay. She loves when the gang is just having a great time together. And they weren't even having that this week, but she enjoyed all of it. <laughs> they were not having a great time. I think she enjoyed all the data in San Francisco stuff. Yeah. Um, They're so bad at keeping their shit together, data and guy, just having that whole unguarded <laughs> conversation right in front of Mark Twain. Yeah, they blow that one. <laughs> I have expected guy to throw up her hands and say... Looks like we're hanging out with Mark Twain. <laughs> Just so we knew what the episode was going to be about. Data could have replied, cool, I'll bring my little buddy Jack London along. It'll be so great. Um, <laughs> that dude, that alien, yoinked through that portal and shouted, I'm back with some more sweet hobo juice, everybody. <laughs> and then everybody chanted hobo juice until they were sated. 
Uh, hey, these yeah. aliens, we are, they have a shitty life, huh? They just sit around in a cave waiting for someone to bring back more hobo juice. Yeah, apparently, they just got to keep going and getting it because they don't ever bring back enough for people to this like. This does not seem sustainable. Yeah, like if anyone ever stops bringing them hobo juice, I assume they just die. Like, so. uh, again, spoiler alert, at the end of the next episode, Riker's going to eliminate their entire race as far as we know. As far as we know, <laughs> for sure. But, um, honestly, <laughs> this plan was so bad. Things were already going really bad for them. Yeah. Yes, this was a real right. refugee situation to begin with. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to, from a certain point of view, the end was nigh anyway, so. Yeah. Uh, that's all for me. What about your quick ones? I guess Starfleet didn't want to broadcast the news about Data's head on subspace. Fine. Yeah. But why did Picard think he was being called back for this? Does, is like in his mind he's the fleet's main archaeologist and they're like we don't want to get civilians involved let's get Picard he's the guy I know yeah. he asks about it eventually down there but like you're right though he very politely waits for that guy to show yes. him all the old shit yes. he do, he's not like super impatient like okay that's cool an old watch are you doing a fucking reveal Hey, I did Are one you doing semest- a fucking reveal I did right one now? semester of archaeology at Starfleet Academy. <laughs> what what am I doing here? Yeah. Uh, this archaeologist, you talked about him. Uh, he's wearing a uh, calico cut jumpsuit. The uh, center section looks like he's always just pissed himself, but he hasn't. That's how the suit is. Yep, it's like those unfortunate, like. Uh, but you gotta give ladies cycling outfits where the just yes. the crotch has been colored, and you're like, oh boy. Yeah. Um, Riker for sure would have phasered this head of Data's right in case it was a clone. <laughs> it's lore. It's lore. <laughs> it's a trap. Data tells Picard that Lore's head uses a Type L phase discriminating amplifier, and he he has a Type R phase discriminating amplifier. And Patrick Stewart yells right back at him, "Type R! <laughs> Why? <laughs> what does that mean? What does it mean to him?" <laughs> it would have been great if he'd trailed off like Riker and said something like, "I don't really understand what that means." <laughs> like he's active listening, but he yells it at him. It doesn't make any sense. Like he doesn't. Yo, go, that's ah, because he wasn't R, huh? actively listening, and he no. caught himself. <laughs> he caught himself, and he just shouts and "Type just R!" At overdid him. it. <laughs> and then later, Data doesn't say, "Oh, I've got a Type R phase thing that can do the thing." He's just like, uh, "It's a part of my whatever subsystem." Yeah. So it didn't even matter that Picard heard and repeated "Type R" because it doesn't <laughs> come up again. <laughs> type R, everybody. Uh, I'm on Picard's side here in this argument with Data. Time travel is a nightmare in this universe, and unless you're looking right at Data's head, you don't know that it didn't wink out of existence the moment Riker named his away team. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And plus, also, why would you do nothing? But <sighs> I hinted at this in my description, but if they got to Davidia 2 at like 2 p.m. on a Saturday, Troy doesn't go down on the away team, and Riker calls back up and says, Empty nothing. cave. There's just like a humidifier in one room and some triolic waves, and it's the end of the episode. <laughs> he looks around, and it's silent in there for like 20 beats, and then he goes, nothing here. Like, in season one, Troy did a lot of good acting and ended up pretty high on our actor's ranking. 
That's true. And it is just like such an absolute shame that now she's in an episode if they need, if they have written that she uses her powers and otherwise she's not. Yeah, like totally absent for yeah. large parts of episodes and sometimes whole episodes. So that it's just like when you see her go down on an away mission, you're like, why are they taking her down there? And then you're like, ah, okay. She sensed she them. She to sense the mysterious things. Yeah. Not from up on the ship, which is a power she definitely has, but when she's in the cave, she can sense them. Anyway. Yeah. They show Data phasing out as they move through the thing. Uh, so I guess if these guys had only been .003% out of phase, they would have all been visible and Data would have been safe, huh? Because it, yeah. it's as he says 003 that he starts to become invisible. And we see the opposite when they're zooming into their world. How unlucky. How unlucky that these guys were just that one extra thousandth of a percent out of phase. No, oh, it's because a stinkle. of that, Data lost his whole head. Yeah, it's definitely. They, that's the uh, phase shift stink hole that those guys are in. Katie only watched about 10 minutes of this one with me, but she said that she didn't think a computer would uh, ask a question, an if question with no then, the way Data says to Riker, if you would assist me in testing the comm system, Commander. Yeah. But I mean, then I told her about the holodeck busting Riker's balls at Farpoint, so it's consistent <laughs> in this universe. Yeah, that's right. Uh, this is a real friendly bum that Data meets. It's a shame about his collar or whatever he's got, because uh, he's like, when Data Data's looking for information, and he starts to tell him how to panhandle good. Yeah, it's like, you always, pay, always ask a guy with his lady so he can show off and avoid sailors, because they, they'll beat up the homeless. But we all know this <laughs> about sailors. Uh, but you know you have to get your own street because you know this is my street or whatever. Yeah, he's he's very willing to take Data under his wing. This episode is way nicer than any Voyager episode about uh, people who are down on their luck, as we will find out again this week. Well, I mean it's true, <laughs> but also let's not forget that when they did go back in the past to Earth and met a homeless person, that person then had a vendetta against Janeway. <laughs> See? See what I mean? In a different, in yet a different time travel episode. So. It's constant. Yeah, so, so stop jumping ahead to my take for the Voyager episode. Okay, sorry. Um, <clears throat> hey, how mad did you get when the Indian looked up at Data and said, pale face? <sighs> like, out of ten, how mad were you? I mean... Because I was steaming. Yeah, it's not... Yeah. It's not... I don't... Well, I don't fuck with the Star Trek writers in general, so <laughs> it didn't change anything for me. But yeah, no, I didn't like it for sure. Like, thank God they didn't tell us the name of that character. Oh, yeah, it would have been, been something good. bad. Yeah, yeah, it would have been fucking Dancing Bear or something. You would have been like, fuck this. Of, you know, the Indians. They wouldn't have given him a tribe or anything. Sorry, is the is Dancing... Is Dancing Bear the porno thing? Did you do a porno thing? I don't know. Is there a porno called Dancing Bear? Is it Native American themed? I don't think it is. Oh, okay. Well, then I don't know. Because I, I only watch Native Master American Bear, porno. The Conan O'Brien bit. I only watch Native American porno, and so if it's not Native American, okay. I yeah, you, have you, not wouldn't, seen you it. wouldn't know about that. No. Uh, look, if I saw these two tall, well-dressed whites in their sunglasses... 
approach me, I'd start saying, no, no, <laughs> two. Even I mean, if I, I didn't am. know I was going to get bone jacked. Like, this guy had no idea what was going to happen to him, but he did not like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2023 is still, a, it's like a really good rule. Fancy white people, fucking stay away. That, he started saying that way too soon, but he was right. He was 100% correct. Uh, best actor here, I give to Riker, if I can ever figure out why he's so busted up. Otherwise, Jordy. Okay. Worst actor, I'm not enjoying the bellboy, Jack London, so far. Yeah. It's the Hotel Brian, though. You, you listen, get it. Listen. <laughs> I read White Fang and Call of the Wild when I was like 10 years old and never, never anything else since. Yeah. By him. Read You've read other sea books. Wolf or whatever, but. Yeah. I have read other books, yeah. Yikes. Yikes. Okay. Okay, so we did about an hour on TNG, so that was cool. We're on a good pace. Second place last week was Voyager. This week we watched Dragon's Teeth. By the way, I haven't remarked upon it lately, but I do appreciate that you're keeping the uh, those opening notes. Uh, I have settled on a system where I play the entire bad one for the bad one. I play the few notes for the middle one, and I just play the regular theme for the okay the winner. But yeah. Oh, part two, man! You must you got <laughs> you got a little bit of a dry throat because you're you got a cold or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a futuristic city. Is being bombarded from above. And uh, down in some tunnels below the city, a lady with uh, real serious facial appliances is running around a cave. Mm. Uh, she asks a dude with the same Carl Havoc crap on him if he's okay. And he tells her that he had to take 37 damaged biopods off of the power supply, even <clears> though <throat> the occupants were still alive. That is too bad, but that is the third Carl Havoc reference in like the last four episodes, I think. <laughs> yep. Hey, end of the month, everybody. Season three. I think you should leave. Um, then he tells her they're out of time, and the two of them climb into their own biopods for a five-year sleep. Mm. After the credits, Voyager is flying through some wrecked-up orange tunnels that Harry Kim refers to as a subspace corridor. Mm. I guess they are they just fucking fell into them by accident. Yeah, uh, I got the best pilot in Starfleet. Uh, not yeah. in Starfleet. In jail. They got the jail's best pilot. <laughs> they got the best pilot in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seven says that the debris is over 800 years old. Uh, and then they shoot past another vessel. And these guys start chasing them. And they say the underspace belongs to them. It's real arch. And then they fire a, quote, resonance pulse that pushes Voyager out of these tunnels. Well, it turns out that the tunnels are pretty good because they've got 200 light years in five minutes. Oh, boy. Is this yet another episode we might have found a way home? Yeah, they're pretty excited about it, in fact. Okay. But this other ship is not friendly. They demand that Voyager lowers its shields and that, so that they can board and wipe the computer of all information they gathered down in their, uh, down in their tunnels. Mm. And when Voyager refuses, they start shooting... Voyager goes to hide in uh, the atmosphere of a nearby radiogenic planet, hoping that their pursuers won't have good enough shields to follow them, and they get lucky that turns out to be true, but they have to land 
uh, in the middle of this fucking bombarded city that they say was bombarded 900 years previously. Yeah. Uh, they start repairing the ship. Um, the alien pursuers are still in orbit. So they're going to have to deal with that eventually. But in the meantime, Harry Kim picks up very faint life signs and uh, Janeway decides she just has to go take a look. Yep. Yeah, it's the usual Voyager conundrum. <laughs> Things aren't bad enough yet. We're only uh, hiding on this radioactive planet from uh, ag- uh, ag- aggressive aliens. Let's go see if we can stir something else up, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm not going to be fixing the ship, so I want to take a look around. Mm-hmm. She beams down into these tunnels with Tuvok and Seven and Nine, and they find that the geothermal reactor powering uh, powering everything is still online. And they walk up to a biopod, and Seven just activates it for some yeah. reason. Yeah. It was almost like she was being controlled to do it, but don't worry, that's not it. No, 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 no. Well, it's our boy Gedrin from the trailer, uh, yeah. although his wife, <clears throat> Jisa, didn't make it. Yeah. Um, they beam him back to the ship, and in sick bay, Gedrin recognizes that Seven of Nine is a Borg, although she doesn't seem to know anything about his species, the Vaudoir. He you tells, know about them. I know about them because I've played the entire Delta Rising arc of Star Trek Online. That's right. Uh, he tells Janeway that the subspace corridors were mapped by the Vaudoir and that the Toure, and that's the name of the alien species, and this is where we learn it. Yep. And a bunch of other species banded together to destroy them out of envy? Question mark. Mm. It's not very clear. He tells Janeway that a single battalion... And uh, all their families went into stasis, hoping that in five years, the alliance against them would have uh, fallen apart to infighting. And that they could start a new colony elsewhere, find some new allies, just, you know, save their species. Right. Then he starts talking about how his wife was a coward at the end. And I don't know why or what that means, but it is the first of a series of things that tell us, don't, don't like this guy. These guys aren't good. Yeah, even though this particular guy will get into it. <laughs> he did well, he repeats something from the last episode, basically where he gives up all of his special technology <laughs> to keep them hidden. For reasons. All the reasons. For you reasons. can guess them. So Um He meets Neelix. And he makes a little bit of a blunder, Neelix does, by revealing that in the old Talaxian language, Vaudoir means foolish. Mm-hmm. But then the planet starts getting bombarded again, so, you know, whatever. Uh, Gedrin suggests using a satellite in orbit to help fire their torpedoes through the bad atmosphere. And when that works, the Ture retreat. So now Gedrin says, all right, if you wake up my dudes and help us get off this planet, we will give you access to the subspace corridors and you'll get like a thousand light years closer to home. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they do that. They go down and wake up the battalion. At this point, for some reason in this episode, <clears throat> Neelix goes to what I think are his own quarters mm. to tell Naomi Wildman. Who has who a mom. Sleeping in that bed in his quarters. Even though she's got a mom. Even though she has a mom on the ship, that there's no story time today. And mm-hmm. she tells him that she doesn't like the Vaudoir children because they made fun of Neelix and said his race was a bunch of, like, Dumb, well, garbage rats or yeah. however I described them last week. Exactly, yes. Um, and everyone else is getting little hints that the Vaudoir may not be cool. Like, 
Balana has to hear about how unafraid of death they are from a guy who spent 10 minutes on Klingon Wikipedia. Uh-huh. Uh, Neelix is looking into all these folk tales that use the, the word that he remembered, and they all have real violent names. Um, uh, by the seven, way, in that first scene where they introduced them to Neelix, did you have any idea this was going to weirdly become a Neelix episode? No, it he, doesn't make any sense for it to be a Neelix episode, <laughs> he but for been the middle it. 15 minutes it is. Yeah, he hadn't been in it at all, and he just shows up and like makes a dumb blunder and then goes away, and you're like, ah, Neelix. And then suddenly it's like Neelix and Naomi Wildman, and now Neelix is going through his old databases, yes. and Neelix is talking to Seven, or what, you're just like, what the fuck is happening here? But it is it is very strange, so uh, we'll, we'll get into this when we talk about execution. This was supposed to be a two-parter, and it got contracted down to a one-parter? <laughs> because and somebody said, "Look, guys, uh, I've seen so your other two-parters, and uh, you don't really need it." I think it's part of why it's so disastrous. And like for 15 minutes, this is a Neelix show, and then he drops out of it again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Seven has been looking for an uninhabited planet for the Vaudoir. More Teray ships are on the way, and it seems like they may have detected the Vaudoir presence. Although it turns out they didn't, so I don't know. They're just all they're those ships were aggressive. just for Voyager. Yeah. yeah. Tuvok comes up with some Leyte Gulf level plan that's got like multiple fronts and precise timing <laughs> to get the Vaudoir out of there. Well, they looked at that guy. They knew that guy's nickname is Bull for sure. Yes. That, that Ture guy they've been dealing with. <laughs> no electric brain up there. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, and now the other, there's another Vaudoir in the meeting whose name I think we've heard once so far, Gaul. And he's like, how about you give me a bunch of photon torpedoes? And Janeway isn't going to give him any photon torpedoes. So down, back down on the planet in the tunnels, Gaul's like, okay, we're going to attack Voyager and take control of the ship. Uh, and then we'll use that to retake one of our former colonies. And also, by the way, this is the point where it turns out that Gaul's actually the one giving the orders, not Gedrin. <laughs> I have so many notes about this shit. <laughs> but none of it is explained. No. You just have to fucking roll with it. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. We really uh, are often just on the exact same wavelength on these things. Yeah. Or maybe anyone would be. Maybe anyone watching this would say, so the guy they woke up's the guy in charge? <laughs> That's weird. And then later on go, I guess he's not the guy in charge? I guess he was probably just in charge of the biopods. This is but confusing. not the battalion. <laughs> in the meantime, though, Gedrin continues to look for worlds with Seven, and we learn now that part of her motivation and maybe the reason she woke them up in the first place hmm. is because she feels real bad about all the civilization she's helped destroy over the years and this is like this is a chance for her to help one uh-huh to rebuild one yeah she gives you like 30 seconds here and 30 seconds in the wrap-up and you go yeah i guess exactly <laughs> uh, at this point neelix calls seven down to the cargo bay to tell her that in all of the old folk tales uh, some people who sort of sound like the Vaudoir, based on some technology, appear out of nowhere and pillage a bunch of worlds and then disappear. He thinks that's the underspace. Hmm. He asks her to um, remember, I guess, hmm. the Borg data yeah. on thousands of species to look into it. Could you please remember it? Thank this you. Is, this is basically what he's saying, right? Like, you have access to all that Borg data. But that's maybe, in a brain. That's not in a pad. <laughs> maybe it's just like the way Neelix has to separately access his personal database. Maybe she has oh, to separately access her Borg database in her own head. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and we don't know because they don't show us any of that. 
Yeah. But because the next scene is Janeway calling Gedrin up to ask some questions about the history of the Vaudoir. And were they perhaps an aggressive expansionist culture who used the corridors to attack until their neighbors rallied together to defeat them? Yeah, this is a uh, hey, uh, because it's not on my notes. I'm just going to bring it up right now and interrupt you. Uh, uh, why do the Talaxians have any folklore about these guys? What are the Talaxians like very far from here? Don't they say that the corridors go as far as a thousand light years? Well, I guess they go What's as happening? far as a thousand light years in the direction Voyager's going. But this dude Maybe says he's much been further? to Talaxia and, oh. and knows the old Talaxian language. Damn, they should have got on the underspace a long time ago. Yeah, they didn't know about it, though, I guess. Dang. <laughs> they didn't accidentally blunder into it before. <laughs> Fucking Tom Paris. It, yeah, exactly. It goes all Only blunders into Talaxia. it at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking asshole. What an idiot. <laughs> all right, um, sorry. Well, Gedrin admits that this is all basically true, but then he's like, anyway, there's 600 of us now, so I don't think we can be really be an aggressive expansionist culture anymore. Like, yeah. those days are pretty much over. And she says, yeah, well, we'll be watching you. And then she tells him to go stand on the bridge, walks mm. Chakotay over and says, I don't trust these guys. <laughs> they slow walk it while the guy's 15 feet away. Yeah. Uh, calls Gaul down on the surface and says... Okay, we're still going to do it, but there's a new plan. you got to deactivate the particle cannons on every ship except for the ones that are in the decoy force. That are in Tuvok's fucking plan A-go yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Uh, of course, he refuses. She makes it an ultimatum, and he immediately launches an attack on Voyager with 17 <laughs> ships. You know Janeway, always with her diplomacy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Always looking for a diplomatic way out. Mm-hmm. Uh... Voyager starts to take off. Ice is four of these ships, but then another 39 launch. Uh, they only have 600 people, but I guess they have a lot of ships for them, huh? They got plenty of ships. Yeah, it's, uh, this is a Japanese problem, man. They got oh, plenty yeah, of fighters. True. They don't have the pilots. Wait, no, they got, they, got, they got at least fucking 39 pilots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At this point, Janeway does a, pulls a real scorpion move and just calls the Teray and tells them, <laughs> guess what? The Vaudoir are back. Let, let us help you destroy them. She's such a monster. And for whatever reason, Gedrin's like, yeah, I guess our time's up, huh? And he <laughs> takes Tuvok back into the tunnels to get access to that satellite again so that the Teray can start shooting the Vaudoir. How come the actor on set didn't go, hold on a second. What's Hold on, what's my motivation? I'm saying no, that you guys are used to that as a joke, right? That I, that I, as an actor, will ask what my character's motivation is. But, like, what the fuck is my character's motivation? Why would I do this? Why am I betraying my entire race, which is on the verge of extinction? <sighs> um... The Terrays start hitting the planet with a bunch of charges. Voyager takes a bunch of hits and starts losing altitude. Gedrin's like, I've got this. Tuvok, you go back. I guess he does, but we don't see it. Yeah. Uh, Janeway has Harry Kim suck a bunch of radiogenic particles into the nacelles to give them a turbo boost. Yes, the nitrous or whatever. <laughs> uh, Voyager clears the <laughs> thermosphere and goes to warp. In a captain's log, we learn that 53 Vaudoir ships made it into the subspace corridors. And then Seven comes in and apologizes for reviving Gedrin. And Janeway, um, sort of forgives her, but says, I doubt we've seen the last of the Vaudoir. <laughs> Matthew. Are you interpreting all the symbols? Searching your subconscious for their meaning? I'm glad you used that specifically for Voyager. Because it is true every week. I do have to fucking search the symbols. Um, 
<sighs> well, look. The episode was called Dragon's Teeth, so I was like, is this just something about being careful not to wake the dragon? It's called Dragon's Teeth because Chakotay... Well, anyway, Chakotay looks at this underground army and says, there's an ancient Greek myth where after defeating a dragon in war, the soldiers would bury the teeth so that new soldiers would spring to life to keep fighting for them. And it's like, why did you say this now? Yeah. (laughs) Why does this remind you of that? I would say, is that even really an expression, or have I just watched too much Game of Thrones? About I fucking the, don't know. I feel dragon. like maybe that happens in uh, Clash of the Titans or one of them other animatic ones, <laughs> you know. Uh, anyway, I guess we should regard every down-and-out folk we meet in life as dangerous monsters. I don't love that. I gave it a two. I tried so hard for that not to be the take. Yeah. Because it's been uh, the take on Voyager five times already. Thought so. about this episode a lot. I read reviews about it. But no, ultimately, <clears throat> Voyager is a show that is so panicky. Mm. And th- this episode really is like strangers, immigrants, yep. the dispossessed yep. are out to get you. They're going to get you, man. You better watch out. They want what you have. Don't trust them. Don't deal with them. Mm-hmm. And definitely do not invite them into your home because they will portal you to a planet. I mean, that was for sure an episode about and that. Steal your business. Then <laughs> um, let's also not forget the episode where Janeway gets real buddy buddy with the former slave masters of the yes, Kazon. The Trabe, of course. Yeah. How could I forget? Uh, uh, they look like us. Uh, they seem all right. Voyager just runs across these people. Uh, after f- 15 coincidences, they accidentally fell into the underspace. The Tere shot them out of the underspace right around this planet, and mm-hmm. then they had to crash land there, and then they detected the life signs. Like, it's a pure coincidence, but don't worry, they're bad guys. Yeah. It's not a result of uh, Voyager meddling. They're not forcing these guys' hand in any way. They just run into some evil dudes. They're just evil, and uh, that's why they're homeless, or whatever. And we don't... We see a scene where Naomi Wildman tells us it's bad to stereotype. What we don't see is a scene where uh, Neelix comes to Janeway and says, I've been looking through all of our folk tales, you know, records written by the victors of this war against the Vaudoir. Yeah. And they all say they're bad dudes. And Janeway's 100% on it. Right. Yeah. Like. And it doesn't matter because we they've already shown us gall plotting. So we're supposed to not think about it. I mean, they cast the guy with the evil voice. Yeah. As soon as that guy popped up, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I know who the bad guy is here. And it's like, you know, maybe you could say the take is that compassion is risky, but then we never get around to a, but it's worth it, right? Or, but you yeah. have to be compassionate be, in order to be the good person that you want to be or anything. It's just like, don't trust strangers. Yep. That is Voyager's. Maybe, you know, Enterprise has sort of an overriding theme or mission tng does as well and and maybe voyagers is that maybe the 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 large takeaway from voyager the macro takeaway is do not trust if you ring my doorbell i'm gonna shoot you yeah that's right you're on my fucking property and i got assault rifles or whatever so it's a it's a two from me no it's a one it's so despicable yeah you can change mine to a one too i'm all right with that i didn't want to give double digits this week anyway it's just like, 
with let that be your last battlefield i was very disappointed <laughs> it was very it was disappointing it was ext- it was so disappointing you're yeah. like surely this is the one anyway oh let's but, also not forget voyager also did that episode in the civil rights museum slash holocaust museum oh yeah so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but so it's like this is the this take is as bad as you had the only thing you could have done was brush wars the brush yep. wars in asia how or, else could it have happened don't hey if you hey maybe it was unjust but don't rock the boat yeah <laughs> you you want to move too far too fast yeah yeah you'll get freedom you know on someone else's timeline eventually um <clears throat> there's just no way to feel good after watching this episode about the show about what they've done to gene's legacy about <laughs> what tv writers do in general that is true you know this is why star trek.com is definitely gonna let us oh yeah put put our pod up there for sure (laughs) i'm sorry um yerk if you get to this i know you don't like he's all in i know you don't like when people talk bad about star trek but this is execrable i think he just has to be all in at this point well, he's he's in the pocket of Big Rod now. He's invested so much, and now he's a part of the team and all of that. You know, poor Yerk. Don't rhyme with Kirk. Do you want to talk about uh, execution? Yeah, go for it. So, like I said, this was going to be a two-parter. Then they cut it down to a one-parter. And then at the very end, they're like, it actually would be better as a two-parter, but there's no time now. <laughs> <laughs> and it is rushed it's like they wrote enough material for three episodes and then slammed it into one and so yeah. you it's just all mismanaged minutes yeah, you get little bits and pieces that are confusing and it becomes not a story about anyone mm-hmm. it's not about seven's past with the Borg. no it's not anything about janeway no they don't even show us tuvok getting back to the ship <laughs> no i assume we made it but i guess that's true, they didn't show us. Neelix drives the action for 15 minutes, but then he's out of the rest of the show. Yeah. It's just a bunch of stuff that happens. It starts when Voyager accidentally falls into a weird tube. Everyone they meet is a jerk, except the one alien who sacrifices himself to help Voyager escape. For what reason? Unknown. Yep. Yes, 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 yes. By Voyager standards, the actual TV making of it wasn't that terrible, but it's... But it's a mess. I gave it a three and I could see a two. Oh, well, I gave it a two. Oh, no. Oh, that is <laughs> Podcast <a> rule. <laughs> oh, what a shame. Uh, This opening, this for, this teaser was so melodramatic with the crazy music and camera work that I thought for sure it was a dumb hollow program that Tom Paris was playing. Oh, yeah. Because it was so over the top cheesy that I thought they were winking. But no, that was real. I mean, because then I saw these crazy cardi-necked weirdos, and I was like, oh, no, these are some aliens. This isn't a Tom Paris thing. They're like cardies, but their necks go out instead of in. Yeah, up but not out. Up but not out. Um, Because if they pull it out, they turn to bones. Um, uh, Fucking Tim. Tim Russ didn't even finish turning around and looking at his station before he declared the alien ship was too maneuverable to target. Yep. (laughs) Just take a look, man. Just wait a minute. Then on just you, the words... Sorry, would you rather have had him look at it and then say, uh, their aft shields are reduced to 25, no, <laughs> 20%, and their port in a cell is leaking antiprotons? <laughs> well, we'll, we'll definitely get... That's not about anything. Don't worry about what I said there. 
<laughs> then, then on just the words Sentry Satellite, he finds the thing and links up to it within like two seconds. Uh-huh. He is up to some shit back there. Uh, was it coincidence that the first guy they popped open was the leader, I said here? Did he just decide to be the leader because he was the first one out? Oh, never mind. This angry guy seems to have taken over. <laughs> yeah. Why does Gedrin help Janeway? As bad as he feels about his comrades' actions, the stakes are at the literal extinction of his species, right? Only a few of them even lived. Yeah. And these Trey could zap them all up good. Seems like a weird call, and they could have at least explained it. Yeah, he says, not all of us are stuck in the past. Now, one thing I want to Bro, talk about you're all going to be stuck in your grave. I want to talk about this being stuck in the past, here or at some point. Because there is a point where someone says to Jane White, that was 900 years ago. Hmm. Except for them, it was five days yep. ago, because they went to sleep. Yep, uh, and then I said, same with Seven opening the pod. Nobody really talks about it until the end when Janeway suggests Seven did it out of compassion, but, like, who knows? She just honestly seemed drawn to it. Yeah. And finally, for the 50th time already in this show, will there be any sign next week that Voyager was nearly destroyed again? No, <laughs> I don't think so. Just Not only two. that, but the fucking last words in this episode are, I have a feeling we haven't seen the last of the Vaudoir. <laughs> Now, at the time they made this, they thought the Vaudoir were going to be a reoccurring villain. And that's why they spent so much money on all the CGI and everything. Mm. And it turns out, they didn't use them. Nope. Uh, that just, was the last we were going to see of them. They're like, they will appear, one ship will appear in passing in a later episode. There's not going to be any more about Gaul or the fucking Vaudoir, until you, unless you play STO. Yep. So. Which, uh, as we've talked about, their STO's entire mission is to wrap up all the weird loose uh-huh. loose threads. Honestly, they do an okay job. That's the, I mean, the look, only thing that's decent about STO. It's a thankless job. Oh, yeah. You gotta talk about what happened to Harry Kim, too, or whatever. Exactly. Um, yeah, so just a two for me. Um, world building? building? Subspace corridors called the Underspace. If you go the direction of Earth, you get a thousand light years closer. Yet another secretive race, the Turei. Uh, there was an orbital bombardment on this planet. They got a nuclear winter that's 900 years old. Something called Tritonium. Oh, I was so mad about Tritonium. <laughs> it's a tough one. Why do they got to make a new one up every week? Every week, man. Oh, it's always new, but it's always like, oh, we haven't seen this before. I don't know what to call it. They always know what the, it's called. The caves could have been fucking reinforced with duranium or whatever <laughs> they've been in previous shows. Yeah. Tritanium, of course, has been in them. Sure. But no. Tritonium. Again, not just new. It's always new, but they know what the name of it every week. Yes. Uh, tapping the planet's core for energy. The Vaudoir. Go to sleep each night imagining ways to die. Uh, they used to conquer other cultures using those corridors. Neelix has a personal database that seems linked to Voyager's computer, but accessed separately somehow. He has to I mean, purposely honestly, tell the computer to go look in it. That's smart. Don't download that shit into Neelix's database and into the Voyager computer. There's, there's kitty porn in there for sure. But it loves his one-year-olds for sure. Uh-huh. Um... I mean, there's some interesting history about this part of space, but Voyager is supposedly trying to get away from this part of space. So, how much can it really matter, too? 
I had it as a two also. Um, Underspace, a new villain race. The Borg are a relatively young race on the interplanetary scale. The most interesting thing here was that 900 years ago, the Borg had only assimilated a handful of systems. Right. Yeah, this, oh. they, they go into a lot of stuff about how the guy names a bunch of star systems and they've all been conquered by different people. Yeah. Um, old old stuff about old old Talax, but not nothing that matters. Like you said, I gave it a two. Yeah. In terms of characterization, okay, I guess Seven is having some feelings about her time in the Borg now. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of logical. She had those encounters with the Borg Queen, got to see assimilation firsthand in a different way. Sure. Met those three ex-Borgs that she bone-jacked. Um, had that Borg baby. Had the Borg baby. Had the so Borg baby played by the German. <laughs> there's, like, lots of reasons that she could be thinking about her time. They the will Borg. fail. <laughs> Everything that guy did in that episode was gold. How could they kill that character? Uh, you really loved his kick puncher deliveries. <laughs> his kick puncher deliveries were the best. If that guy was on the show just from then on, it would've been amazing. If it was just seven and one, seven and one, around. just hanging out all the time doing Borg stuff, would have been great. Um, but we—they never show us. They never have a conversation with anyone where she's talking about how she is starting to feel busted up about what she did when she was a Borg, right? Yeah. She also clearly feels empowered to just start a wake-up sequence on a pod. But frankly, so did Data. So, like, Starfleet must not have a clear policy on this one, even after Space Seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that seems like a mistake. Like, doesn't it seem like this should be something that Data at least would have memorized? That, like, there's a you have to actually get clearance from not just the captain, but he's got to call home before you wake anybody up. Yeah. Again, it was so I guess in weird. Data's case, thought, they were going to die. But I like, thought it, she was literally being influenced. I did made no sense what was happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, Neelix is pretty forgiving about children saying mean things to him, but he's also pretty quick to turn on these guys when he reads some very vague things in old folklore. Yeah. I couldn't think... I couldn't figure out whether his motivation in doing the research was he was upset that the Wildman baby was upset, or he really did take it personally. Yeah. That he went back to his quarters and went, these fucking guys. How dare they say I stink in my telling their like kids shoe the... brush. <laughs> <laughs> telling their kids those things. How, gonna, how dare they look say these fuckers up. that my hair looks like Trump's wig, but just in the middle. <laughs> just like a Mohawk version. Trump's Mohawk. Um, Janeway has gone through the same arc she did with the former masters of the case on here, the Trabe, like you said. But I don't think she learns any lessons. Unless she they're bad has. ones, like just don't trust anybody. She's never learned a lesson that I've seen. So not a lot here in terms of characterization. I'm going to give it a three. Yeah. Uh, Janeway always knows when we're at the beginning of an episode. Does all her quips. Acts super cocky. Uh, she manages to become buddies with this asshole who hates his dead wife. Yep. Which again, what is the motivation it's just so unmotivated, and it's a moment where at, she should already know these. she should not wake them up. At this but then point. he ends up being the one good guy, so then I why know. did they do that stuff about he hates his dead wife? What does it mean? <sighs> like, that kind of thing? I, I don't care that it was supposed to be a two-parter. Like, what's happening with this guy? Can you just right. make it make sense a little bit? Fuck. Like, is there supposed to, at the end of part one, is she supposed to have, like, a little romantic heat with this guy for some reason? Oh, his neck. 
Like you're brave, right. unlike my wife, etc. Because <laughs> she really like she finds a way to get over that, and it was really weird and off putting. Yeah. And then again, he's the good guy. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, she heeds her crew's warnings and at least proceeds cautiously with this guy and his people. Uh, Seven just goes rogue down there and opens the damn cryostasis paw, whatever they called it. No explanation. Uh, are Neelix and Seven the new dynamic duo? They did a project together. <laughs> uh, you mean the dream team? Yeah, the dream team. Yeah. Uh, Neelix sucks ass at diplomacy. Just like, oh, you guys are the dead dummies from hell long ago. Neat. I don't know why you'd say that to someone. Neelix's go-to reference is Mother Goose, for some reason. Well, he's seen Mother Goose rock and rhyme. I mean, that is powerful, and it will change you. But, like, he's a dang old oh, alien from the other side of the galaxy. Never really learned to play. oh Always been a stick in the mud. I mean, I remember all those songs, so... But he's a dangle alien from the dangle Delta Quadrant. Mm-hmm. Mother Goose. Anyway, the Wildman baby was bullied Not by the... Not Flotter T. Otter. <laughs> That's who you'd think. He spent a lot of time in that program. Yeah. The Wildman baby was bullied by the Vaudoir. They talk shit about Neelix. Not really a character episode because no one's motivations are explained in any way. No. We don't know so... anything more about any of these people at the end than we do at the beginning. Yeah. Just the three as well. Man, I think we might have mashed up entirely on that. Oh, that is a rare, perfect match. It's too bad that it all aligns up for 16 points. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe it got that many. Um, you don't have to describe this, Voyagers. Do you have some quick hitters? Yeah. Uh, hey, look, they remembered they could land the ship. You're not kidding, man. They must have been spending money on this one. Do mm-hmm. all that ship landing stuff. Oh, yeah. If this was a Deep Space Nine, Odo would have shape changed. That's right. This is a big episode. <laughs> Chakotay says the name of the episode for no reason. <laughs> it's almost like he brought up out of nowhere just to be like, here's the name of the episode. Uh, you ever looked closely at Seven's dumb facial Borg augmentations? The guys on um, Greatest Generation called her Dolphin. Because it's like <laughs> it does kind of jumping like over that. her eyebrow. It's like the shittiest set of plastic garbage toys. It's worse than like a, a fucking fake tricorder or something it's, it's so ed, bad it's better than the thing that they plugged into <laughs> hannah bates's port when she was in love with odo but other than that yeah it's pretty bad do you it's remember just, when like the prop of uh damon box weird circuit ball that he yeah. uses to try and get picard back like that doesn't look cheap and shitty even yeah. in hd so That's why true. why does the thing that has to go on seven's why couldn't they make the thing that they have to glue to seven's head every every day out of metal it looks so much worse than any of the Borgs you see. All the Borgs have better looking stuff on them. And a lot of those guys are just made out of squidgy pipes and things. Yeah, it's a bunch of pipes and an ab plate. <laughs> and a fucking sick eight pack. I don't know. I just, it looked like they just used a material that worked best with whatever glue they were using to keep it on her face or whatever. They didn't care how yep. it looked. Um, And that's it. I stopped taking quick hitters. All right. Uh, this is not about this episode, but the pre-show ad for Strange New World was mm. using a remix version of Such Great Heights by the Postal Service under it. 
Oh, good. I and, love the stupid, dumb, slow remixes that every show has to have. And I didn't understand why, and I felt a million years old before this episode even started, so it put me <laughs> in a very good mood. Oh, thanks again to Paramount+. Plus. I'm like, oh, man, I, I really vividly remember when that song came out. Yeah, I've been giving it a lot of thought. That is the best of the new live-action Trek series, because uh, it's attempting I know the had, least. I know you have some complaints about that, too, but I haven't seen one episode, so we'll... Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, the skip credits button came up way early during the opening scene when I was watching it, and I felt like that was editorializing. <laughs> like, I mean, they're asking me. Like, there like, must be a reason. I could skip all of this stuff with these dudes in these pods in their bombed out city. <laughs> Just cut right to the end of the credits. I don't think they would ask me if they didn't have a good reason. Uh, it's a real Gorgon moment when Janeway says that these <laughs> other guys are the Teray. She must have learned that. Either she played the Delta Quadrant arc of Star Trek Online, where they do feature, or she learned about it, you know, yeah. off screen. Or she read the script. Yep. Chakotay talks about the old Greek myth of dragon's teeth at this point, but it's um, it's not really a metaphor for what's happening here. This isn't planting dragon's teeth in the soil so new warriors would spring forth. This is clearly hiding below the windowsill until the Jehovah's Witnesses go away. That's right, they're doing the Jehovah drill. But, like you said, he has to say the name of the episode. Yeah. Naomi Wildman has a mother, right? Yeah, that's what I couldn't figure out. I was very confused. She doesn't just live with Neelix now, a man who was dating a one-year-old when we met him. Well, her mom does seem pretty irresponsible. So, Does her mom have a new boyfriend and she's just like, then when you go spend the night at Neelix's? I called ahead. He says it's okay. He says he doesn't really like kids. I'm going to keep my kid away. Uh, that that ensign that Seven didn't want to date and I'll be taking one of our grunting naps so why don't you go and <laughs> sleep at Neelix's tonight the guy who uh, uh, talked a lot of game about how uh, you know it might get awkward and you just have to you know see it through or whatever and then she like looked at a uh, lobster weird and he's like fucking check please get the fuck get me the fuck out of here didn't she dislocate his shoulder or something trying to dance yeah but he was already like yeah, he was ready. He go. was trying to spin the date forward. He's like, uh, let's skip dinner and dance. Well, he thought he was being pranked all along. Anyway. <laughs> like, he went along with it a little bit, because what if it wasn't a prank? Yeah, I mean, that guy wasn't going to get laid by anyone on that ship. Yeah. Unless, you know, Vorik was having his time of the month <laughs> the or whatever. The whatever twins weren't coming around. The Delaney sisters? Yeah, the Delaney sisters. They weren't knocking on his door. Right. Um, look, I ain't gonna write no fables or myths or nothing. Let's just start the next scene after Seven and Elix have convinced Janeway that the Vaudoir are a threat. <laughs> That's not an interesting conversation to leave out. That's not something we want to see anyway. Let's just cut right past all of that. <laughs> it's true. You get to see Neelix go through the process that uh, Data and Troy have to go through in Darmok, and then you see um, him go talk to Seven. And be like, hey, these guys might be bad news or whatever. Let's go talk to the captain. They don't show you that part. They don't show that part at all. Well, they don't even show the part where Seven looks up and if she finds any information from her Borg database, we don't know about it. Yep. We don't even know the contents of those folktales. We only know their titles. And that he says that an uh, army appears and disappears. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like I said, this guy is like, that was 900 years ago. 
And Janeway doesn't say, it was three days ago for you, man. You expect me to think you changed over Labor Day weekend? Not only have you not changed your very nature, but you're also probably very mad at these other aliens. Right. You've probably got a lot of stuff going on about it. I would say this is a particularly bad time uh, for your judgment. Tuvok says four ships disabled, but that was a wild way to describe what we saw in the CG, because those (laughs) ships were like a mile above the ground moving at Mach 6. Also, they exploded. They exploded, yeah. They were not disabled. (laughs) Well, you know, he disabled the part uh, that prevents their ship from exploding. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Um, Clara Sutter's dad as Gedrin. Oh, you know, I I did think he was a type that we had seen. Uh, he's the guy that I described as <laughs> playing an angry John in, in most of his roles. Yes. Oh, yeah, the stuff about how his wife was a coward was <laughs> improvised by him based on some of his other acting jobs. <laughs> well, now that makes sense. I didn't, I didn't look him up. I, he seemed familiar. Well, I got one more for you. Oh, okay. Wyatt Miller as Gall. He's the guy with the evil voice? He's doing yeah. a voice then. He's doing a voice. He's not sweet, sensitive wife. He's not the sweet, sensitive guy who's been having telepathic visions of Counselor Troy and drawing her. But also, now that you say it, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I see that now. Sorry, that's not right. He's engaged to marry Counselor Troy. He's been having telepathic visions of some hot blonde and drawing her. Yeah, Maxine or whatever her name is. Right. It's hard to say. Yeah, so those, those two recurring characters here. Character actors. Interesting. I gave Best Actor to Neelix. I didn't have a lot of good places to put one this week. Yeah, he gets the most. He gets to act with a kid and talk about how <laughs> it's okay. Those kids are just scared or whatever. Uh-huh. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He gets to tell her it's not good enough that she doesn't want to hang out with them and doesn't like them. Worst actor I gave to Gall, who, like you, I thought was doing a voice, but I thought Gall was doing the voice. <laughs> Gall the character. Yes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It did seem to come across that way. Like, oh, uh, it's me, trying, it's me, Gaul. Oh, he's using I'm, his uh, command voice now. I'm the evil one. <laughs> ah, 16 sweet points, so... Oh, no. TNG does not lose this week with Time Zero, Can even though win? they only put 19 in. Hey, what's the worst winner we've ever had again? The it's current worst up. winner... Well, it's uh, 15, so... Oh, well, it's gonna be hard to beat. That's gonna yeah. be a tough one. <laughs> that wasn't that long ago. Let me roll back and that's find gonna it. Be, that was that's gonna be that's week one fourteen. That's gonna be a yeah. that's a tough mark to ever beat. Yeah, I don't know. Fifteen power play winning the week could be the lowest ever winner unless yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's worse than either of these or preemptive strike because <laughs> they're gonna be the only game in town. Well, they are just unopposed, right? So they'll show up in that slot on the chart. Feels shitty to give him a win there, but no, we, we may not. We may choose not to, but I'm not going to rewrite the fucking code yeah. that determines the minimum winning score to deal with that situation. Oh fuck, we got one more, huh? No, we right. do. Jesus. The winner last week was fuck. Deep Space Nine, and with a 16 and a 19 on the board, they're in a good position. Can they fuck it up? Can they score lower than a 19? <laughs> um, this week we watched Sons and Daughters. Dax and Worf are making out hard. Because that's what the people want. A, a big old alien dude, a big old sloppy alien making it with a model. Anyway, 
Worf wants Dax to join the House of Martok, and she agrees after a short prank. I guess this is where the Rataran is supposed to be dropping off Cisco and crew at Starbase 375 after they rescued him from that planet last week, which was the scene we were never shown. Correct. Uh, Worf goes to Martok and tells him uh, they got five new warriors joining the crew. I'm doing A plot, B plot, by the way. Might as well. Uh, they see the new recruits and start their dumb ceremony because the Klingons got a ceremony for everything. And uh, Worf sees his adult son, Alexander. <laughs> Alexander introduces himself as coming from No House. Slam. And uh, Worf doesn't say shit to him, just like every day of Alexander's miserable life. <laughs> the Rataran is on a dangerous mission. Martok is uh, the audience avatar, trying his best to understand what motivates Worf to be the worst dad in space. Asks a lot of questions like, why? I thought you weren't even from Florida. I thought you were from Minsk. What do you mean? Why, though? Worf has no good answers for him because uh, he's a turd beast now. He's gone full. He's completed his transformation that began in season two of TNG. Yeah, if you ever fucked with Worf after this episode, which uh, I'm just going to say now... At the end, all of the characters are exactly where they were at the beginning. Yep. Um, you, you don't fuck with him after this one, for sure. Yeah, Worf finally speaks to Alexander, but he's the fucking worst, so it goes bad. Then Alexander's bullied by some clings, and he gets in a knife fight. But Worf saves him, because he was I think Worf was being humiliated. Um, <laughs> but hit by saving Alexander, Alexander becomes humiliated. So there's yep. a lot going on there. Alexander was being, let's face it, hazed, mm-hmm. and but he he was also sort of making the right moves. Like he cut the guy, yeah. Then he got thrown through a fucking table. But the yep. dude was twice Alexander's size, yeah. and like I think eventually people would have been like, he stuck up for himself. That's the main thing. Yeah, it's but weird. Worf, Worf for sure fucks it. Even though Worf and Kalar were both pretty tall, uh, their adult son is not very tall. No, he's a little weedy little guy. Anyway, then Alexander fucks up on the bridge and makes everybody fight a simulated Jem'Hadar ship. And uh, the Klingons are laughing with him now. They're enjoying it, but Worf seeds because he's embarrassed by his moron son who he steadfastly refused to raise. It's like, it's not all of the same characters from the Rotaran, from the episode about the Rotaran. <laughs> right, yeah, some of those guys aren't around. But There's like, new ones. Does Worf not remember that this ship doesn't have a good rep and that these guys might be like, we're kind of fuck-ups, too? <laughs> That's right. I guess yeah, Martok's maybe turned it, it around. Although, you can't imagine, if Martok's turned it around, it's been without Worf's help. Because once Jedzia Dax stepped off that ship, no one had a hand on that crew. Yep, for sure. <laughs> ah, Worf tries to teach Alexander some cool Batleth moves, but he mostly just shouts, No, dummy! And Alexander gets mad and leaves. He doesn't make him run laps, but he could have. Yeah. Martok steps in to be Alexander's fun uncle. It's a real Hey Jude situation. Now, I want to point out that I said that before I'd seen... <laughs> you wrote that before you saw last night's Ted before Lasso. Before I saw the Ted Lasso from last night. Um, which also That'll had place an explanation a, of it. A moment in time. Also, by the way... That was not our favorite Ted Lasso of this season, but, you know. Yeah. There's still uh, some work to do in some of these arcs. Also, I thought that was very charitably described as a guy uh, just kind of trying to help out his best friend's kid and not being an absolute fucking asshole and being like, I'm going to, since you're such a piece of shit dad, I'm going to be nice to your kid, which is, I'm sure, how it was intended. Uh, probably. 
<clears throat> describes them as best friends and not best frenemies, which is, of course, what they were. Anyway. <clears throat> I would not let beard around my kid. No, that guy's got all it's the a, situations. It's a big mistake, and there's a moment, I don't know, 10 minutes before that, where Ted Lasso has to say to him, hey, man, he's a kid. <laughs> That's right. What are you doing? Uh, Martok tells Alexander his dad wants to transfer him off the ship, and Alexander goes to see Worf and says he'll have to kill him to get rid of him again. It is now canon. Alexander says, you've never even tried to contact me in five years. Five years. <laughs> Fuck, Worf. Then a big battle happens, and Alexander's not doing great work on the bridge, as you said earlier. By the way, that's extremely rough, because five years of this takes you back to season seven of TNG. Yeah, he ain't never talked to him since then. He ain't then. talked to him since the very last time we see Alexander in TNG, which is, by the way, in Firstborn, when other Alexander, uh, a.k.a. James Sloyan, <laughs> comes back and teaches him <laughs> to be a warrior. Yeah. And then, after he left the ship there, Worf is... That's it. Out of communication with him for five years. Worf never even just sent him a text that said Merry Christmas or nothing. The fucking gall of this guy to go to O'Brien and say, I, 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 I missed the time that I, I missed this time in Alexander's life too and I regret it. And, yeah. the, and I said O'Brien should say to him, you could see him now. That's right, right, exactly. Right? That's why it was so great the one time O'Brien just shouted at him that it's easy for you to say you never even see your son. Yeah. It was like, oh shit. Yeah, Deep Space Nine, I, like, I don't know what it is. I ain't re- I didn't read it in none of them books, but like, did one of the writers not like Michael Dorn? Maybe. Because they are really putting Worf on blast in this series about his parenting. Fucking deserves it. Oh, for sure. Uh, anyway, Alexander's not doing great work on the bridge. As you said earlier, he goes off to repair some conduit. <clears throat> After the fight, Worf finds Alexander has locked himself in there like a fucking dumbass. After Worf throws up in his mouth a bit, he puts his hand on Alexander's shoulder. What a guy. I know. Uh, Worf says stuff like, the past is the past, let bygones be bygones, and all of that. All of the things that I did to you, I would like you to forget about so that we can have a different relationship going forward. It's 100% unilateral. You have to forgive me. Yep. Alexander is so hungry for affection, he treats this as real progress. This is all in my episode description. I realize there is quite a lot of editorializing. Alexander is also adopted by the House of Martok. They do a dumb ceremony with the fire and blood and all the Klingon stuff. All right. But not a blue room. No blue room like you should do with adoptions, we we learned. B-plot. There is a B-plot. Jake, Odo, and Kira meet at Quark's. Jake says he wants in on the resistance cell. They pretend they don't know what he means, and he shows his worth by repeating the stuff they just said in front of him and saying it's because he's a reporter and he hears things. They literally said, oh, I guess it's that time. It's whatever, 1457, whatever time they say. I can't keep him waiting. And Jake goes, I see Goldukat still making you greet him when he returns to the station. And they look at him like he has cracked the fucking uh-huh. case. Who told anyway. You? He's like, I hear things, and they're not like, oh, you figured it out from context, the only thing that could be happening here. Exactly. <laughs> Fucking skills this guy has. Uh, anyway. The only reason I might have to go put on my dress uniform. <laughs> and then I say, sorry, that should be in my notes, but I was so sad about the writing in this scene. Uh, Zial went to college on Bajor, like art college, but people were gossipy and shit, and so she's back on Teroknor now. Well, she had a very common experience. She had one semester at college. It wasn't what she expected. She didn't make a lot of friends, and she discovered that she was into art. 
Yep. <laughs> she and probably also has fooled around with women down there, but she didn't bring it up in front of Gul Dukat. Maybe she would have told Kira, but Kira's backing off now. Yeah, now she, Kira, and Dukat are having dinner. It's a parent trap. Right? Yes. Doing a parent She's trap? She's parent trapping them, and it's there's no motivation for it, except that she needs to have a dad. It's well, we'll get to it when we get to the take. Yeah, Dukat and Kira uh, look at her fucking art projects like proud parents, and they like each have a hand on her leg. And then Dukat gets her art into some I don't know prestigious gallery or something, and there's gonna be a big celebration. I don't remember what the fuck happened here. Dukat sends Kira a dress as a gift, and she fucking loves it. And then she realizes for the second time in two weeks that she's <laughs> becoming the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> because it's very easy for Kira to become the bad guy, it turns out. Yeah. Uh, she returns Dukat's uh, gift. Well, let's talk about this about Kira for a second. Again, well, I know we're interrupting your description. That's fine. Kira didn't go to college, right? Uh, she probably sure. barely went to school. No, they didn't have schools on the camps, man. Come on. Her entire political training comes from the resistance, and she's in this position because she killed a lot of Cardassians. Oh, yeah. Yes. Although, not, she's not as... Um, Famous on Cardassia as she wants to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, there is that. Uh, so, yeah, I guess she has not gotten the grounding she needs to realize how easily she can slip into being the bad guy with a little bit of power and influence. Two weeks in a row. <sighs> yeah. She returns Dukat's gift and tells him she won't be Zial's mom. And she says the same to Zial. And there is no parent trap this week. Okay. What was this episode about? I, I would give you bonus points if you could tie these fuckers together. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, no, you can. The message in this episode is that children love and need their parents even when they're objectively shitty at the job. Okay. Like, Worf's probably not as bad a dad as Ducat in the sense that he's two notches less evil. Yeah. He's also a lot less involved. It. it, it we do learn... So, like, Ducat left Zial to die on Deep Space Nine and called her a traitor the last time he called saw her a traitor and said she could be damned with the whatever. rest of them, right. then led an assault on the station. Right. But then it turns out that Worf hasn't spoken to Alexander for the entire duration of Zial's relationship <laughs> with Gul Ducat. It's true. So, like, who knows who's the better parent? Uh, I have some takes on it, for sure. <laughs> so they both need approval, and they're both willing to overlook an awful lot. And the problem is that this is a terrible take. And yeah. it's not a Star Trek take. A Star Trek take should not involve children having to forgive their parents for things that their parents are not going to change. Mm. The effort's all one-sided. A Star Trek take should be something about, you know, you can get this, you can fulfill these needs from someone who is a good person, even if they're not your blood relative, right? Yeah. Like, that family is who you make it or whatever. That Kira should be her mom. So I thought the parallels were clear and the take was clear, right? Like, this is about children who need their terrible parents' love and attention, and they're willing to overlook just everything to get it. Yeah. Uh, I just don't like that take. I had it at a three, but it's a two. Well, I was hoping to be the only one to get bonus points because I also connected the takes. I see. I was trying to set it up. So I would sound even more grand. Oh, I see. When I said most of being a good parent is just being there. Yeah, that's what the show says. 
Look, man, Alexander's so desperate for parental affection that he thinks he and Worf are in a good spot at the end of this episode. Uh Uh-huh. All Worf had to do to achieve that was put his hand on his shoulder after all the other bad shit that happened. Dukat once told Zial that she could stay and be damned with all the rest (laughs) of DS9 and then led a massive assault against the station. I don't know if she knows about the part where he was going to blast her at that prison camp where they rescued her. Oh, yeah. But Kira probably loves... didn't tell her. I would be mean to tell her, I think. Yeah. What's that? What good's that going to do? But she loves her father and thinks they have a great thing going because he helped her with art connections and tried to get her a new mom. These horrible fucking writers are saying, I'm a good dad because I take my kid to soccer once a week and I don't hate him too much. Yeah, and also you have to forgive me. Yes, and when I did hit you, you, you have to forgive me because I'm trying th- at this moment. Mm-hmm. In this moment, I'm saying that I really want to do better, so you must forgive me now. I showed up with a remote control car, so you have to forgive me. <laughs> Even still, though, what do you mean you're 17 and you don't play with remote anyway? <laughs> this thing that this is a thing that people do say that oh, most yeah. of being a good parent is just being there. People say that sometimes, and I can only guess it's because being a parent means dreaming of disappearing without a trace one day and going somewhere nobody will ever find you. Just getting in your car and starting a whole new life. You just drive to Alaska and work on a crab boat or whatever. Yeah, just where no one will ever even think to look for you. So people try to keep the bar for good parenting pretty low to prevent people from actually jumping ship, I think. Yeah, maybe. Three for me. Not much there. It's disappointing, right? I mean, DSN had been on a good run, but once I saw this wasn't really about the war, <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, okay. Well, what did you do for execution here? I mean, fuck me for having to watch what is somehow the worst of all the Alexander episodes. Wild, huh? How could it be? But it is. <laughs> you know, it's because they recast him. Well, like, they needed to cast an adult person. It turns out they were being <laughs> propped up by Brian Bonesaw, but it doesn't make any sense because he'd still be 12 or whatever at the time this was filmed. Is Worf the main villain of the show? Because well, he comes <laughs> off worse than Ducat. He's the worst parent on the show. It's In a show that in many ways is about parenting. Yeah. Like, we have the Cisco's relationship which is something the only place where Avery Brooks comes alive. Yeah. We have lots of stuff about Quark and Ramen Nog. Yep. Um, Cisco's dad is in the mix. Yep. O'Brien technically has kids. O'Brien Te- has kids. They don't show up that much, but they they're alive. Uh, uh, Bashir and his messed up parents. We situation. see some stuff with Bashir and his sh- parents. Shit. Like this is the show that's most interested in parenting. There's a touch in Voyager about Tom Paris and his dad. <sighs> Yeah, that don't count. That's, That's it. That's yeah. it in Voyager, right? And um, and in TNG, they're all fucking orphans. Everyone's the, an orphan. The main parenting <laughs> shit in TNG is Beverly Crusher. Yes, and Wesley. Yeah. Going into super mom mode whenever Wesley gets in trouble. And then also... Um, I mean, Troy and her mom. But... Troy and her mom, yeah. And yeah, Worf, Worf's stuff dealing with his dad's legacy, right? But that's not even parent stuff, so. No. I, why did the writers do this to Worf? You say again, maybe there was a grudge. Because Maurice Hurley showed up again, and he's like, now Michael Dorn won't date me. Because <laughs> season one TNG Worf was really good. Really mm-hmm. good. We enjoyed him a lot. And now everything he says and does seems evil. Yep. But we're still supposed to root for him? This is the part I ask. I do ask it every week now. Why do they only write characters that we can't root for? Why is yeah. that a good strategy? Why am I going to watch the show? Yeah. 
again, am I supposed to be pleased to hang out with Bashir or whoever? Fuck. Who you mean? Who you like this week? Martok, right? Yeah, Martok's a good guy. <laughs> That's it. Yep. I think I say in my notes somewhere later that it seems like Martok's around every week just so that they can show you he's a good guy. Yeah. He's just a good guy. They're just like constantly trying to sell Martok and it's like we bought in on Martok right away. We don't Yeah, you wrote a guy who was a good guy. He's a good guy. Great. We saw we saw the scene where he was like Garrick's doing his best in that wall. And we were like, oh, we, we got it. We like him. Are gonna uh fucking sing songs about the tailor and the wall or whatever. Yeah. Um this Kira plot is just it's the same as last week's plot where they wanted to bust up the protesters and really go to town on them. And tell him to stop resisting and all this stuff. And then she's like, oops, pff, almost became a collaborator. Yeah. And then this week, she almost becomes Ducat's mistress. Yeah. She became, she almost became. She don't know about her mom yet, right? Um. Fuck, I can't remember. I don't remember whether we've seen that one yet. I kind of feel like we have, but it might be a silver blood situation. <laughs> it could be silver blood. Um, anyway, you remember that song, Accidental Racist? <laughs> this is like her. Every week, she's an accidental traitor. She can't figure it out. She's not getting a grip on it so far, for sure. Yeah, I don't know why this is a difficult line for her to walk. And maybe the writers can work on explaining it. That'd be nice. Um, anyway, DS9 had been doing really well, but this is a fat load of shit, and I gave it a one. <sighs> Look, I'm all for having an episode where Worf has to come to terms with his absentee father shit. Mm. But that's so big an idea that there's no room for a B story. Sure. Like, to get through it in half an episode requires everybody to make head-spinning 180s every five minutes. Well, I mean, also, he's an absolute shitbag to the kid until the very last scene. Mm -hmm. It has to be a fucking animated series style wrap-up where suddenly it's okay yeah and the ducat kira idea is so fundamentally impossible that i think it was a mistake to even have kira hold that dress up in the mirror it should have I cut mean, from her opening that satchel right to her throwing it on gal ducat's floor this guy bad this guy was like he had big rape energy very recently with her yeah he cornered her yeah and now because she likes his daughter and they could talk about art for a minute and she goes to one dinner party she's like oh i'm gonna hold this pretty dress up and look at it and then what's that i'm gonna throw it on the floor (laughs) also by the way if i hadn't figured out long ago that armin shimmerman had a clause in his contract about being in every show this is the one where i would have figured it out (laughs) because he's he is not in this one. Why would but he he's know Kira needs to meet Golducott at the docking ring in three minutes? Why would mm-hmm. that information possibly come from Quark? Oh, I mean, they needed something for Quark to do. Yeah, it seems like in universe, she literally, instead of asking the computer or just remembering it, she said to Quark when she came in, "Can you remind uh, me when me it's fourteen fifty-seven? Yeah, whatever. So that I, because because Golducott is waiting for me at three o'clock. I, his shuttle's going to come in at three. Sorry, we talked about this. We don't know if four, uh, 1457 is 257 uh, or 1257. <laughs> yeah, Bajor time's weird. It's hard to say. <laughs> we don't know how that 26-hour clock works exactly. They don't know either. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, that seems like that's it. She literally told Quark to be her little reminder. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, this episode is off somehow. The stakes are too small or the pacing is wrong or something. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. It's not at the same level as the last couple of shows in the arc. No. I give it a three. Um, I'm not mad that you gave it a one, but I, like, sure. it's just not. It's just not right. No, it wasn't right. right. You know what? It wasn't right, and I said it out loud during the episode. I said, "This isn't this right." This isn't right. I said to Marjan, "This it isn't right. right." And she said, "What are you talking about? You said you should watch it, <laughs> but it wasn't right." I'm gonna have to go watch a bunch of K-pop videos. Clear my head. <laughs> kind of like just to like get that dopamine hit, you know, and just just feel a little bit better. Anyway, it's not right. <laughs> I think that's the name of the episode. World building. Um, we see a convoy action. Martok is frustrated with the course of the war. Cardassia is now directly supplying industrial replicators to Bajor without, you know, Dominion intermediaries. Right. Uh, similar art styles between Cardassia and Bajor. It's um, it's mainly little stuff this week. We didn't really advance anything about the world. It's a two for me. Yeah, I think I would agree. A uh, bunch of new recruit Klingon ceremonies and being adopted by your dad's friend ceremonies and uh, yet even more life on Klingon ship stuff. Bajoran universities. And I, I want to say that previously we have seen Klingons be very philosophical when they eat. They talk about important matters. Like their dad about how their waited dad to die. For death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yep. About how curious the women are about Riker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, about how their well, ship is cursed and they're losing battles. But this is just a good old fashioned hazing slash food fight this week. Yep. Uh, did I say it was a two? I gave it a two. Yeah. Characterization. <laughs> Jake continues to be a huge dope. Yeah. Alexander is the most unfortunate soul in the entire cosmos. <laughs> Just has a good thing ever happened to him, is my question. <clears throat> Worf remains father of the fucking year. Honestly, he's Kyle Riker. Oh, yeah. He associates the boy with his dead mate, whom he also resents posthumously. Yes. Talks a lot of shit in this episode about what a bad mom she was or whatever. Yes. Uh... There's Kyle Riker screams at his son like, what was I supposed to do? You were 12 and you needed a mom. And Worf just says to his son, I was busy living a warrior's life. (laughs) It's even a worse excuse. Somehow worse than Kyle Riker. Yo, he's worse than Kyle Riker. It ain't good. It ain't good what... So I want to say it ain't good what this episode does to Worf, but it's also fully consistent with what we've seen of Worf. Like, he ain't been calling Alexander on the side. He hasn't been talking or thinking about him. He's not like, he's like, you have to present the slaughtered Targ and ask, you have to ask Martog to formally to join his house. He hasn't said, I want Alexander to be there. Yeah. I want Alexander to be the ring bearer. Right. Right? Like, no. I don't know if Alexander's invited to the wedding, honestly. Oh, he has not been so far. He Maybe he will be now. I don't know, but like, Certainly, he has not spoken to him. He doesn't. He doesn't say to Dax, "I have a son." <laughs> We're gonna he have might to not have ever told her. I mean, Martok didn't know. It's possible Dax never knew. 
<sighs> so it's like when they say, "Oh, you <clears throat> haven't talked. You haven't. We haven't spoken in five years." And he's like, "I was too busy living a warrior's life." <laughs> that sucks and that hurts. But also, that's also what we've seen. Yeah, that's all true. Um, and then again, he tries to pin this shit in his conversation with Martok on Kalar. Yeah. He's like, it's really my that my bitch of a dead wife's fault. She died when he was one year old. Yeah, she blew But it. all of the stuff she told him in that first year. Just messed with him. Just shaped him fundamentally. And nothing I did in the four years after that made a difference. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Dukat makes Kira greet him each time he returns to the station. He's still got the hots for Kira, blah, blah, blah. Zeald is back. This is where I say, is she trying to parent trap Kira and Dukat? What's it called when you don't have a twin, but you're just scheming to get two adults together? Is that I still, still parent trap? I honestly don't think the twins, I, don't, I haven't seen it. Well, first of all, I've only ever seen the Haley Mills one, and that was when I was in 12, so I don't know. But yeah. I'm going to say, I'm not sure the twin stuff was part of it. Okay, I, I don't I, know. I, I imagine I, that one of them lived with one parent and one of them lived with the other, and they schemed together. But like, Didn't they do a switch? Then they pull a switch. Did they right? do a switcheroo? I think they do a. I think they do a one-two switch. Was it Mother's Day? I'm pretending to be a, a dad's girl. I've only ever had a mom. Uh, that isn't that isn't that what the stakes are or something? Yes, something like that probably. Anyway, but I don't know if it's still a parent trap if you're just an adult woman trying to get two adults together. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't want to think about it too much because our dad shouldn't have had a crush on young Haley Mills like that. No, it was like he had a crush on her when he was young, and that lasted forever. That crush on her at that age. It was weird. Oh, now we talked about it on the air. All right. Um, Martok is just a good dude, just generally speaking. He just shows up each week to be like, I've got grudging respect for Nog. Yes. Or whatever. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, He just fucking busts in and constantly says, everybody's doing their best. (laughs) <laughs> honestly he walks past a conference meeting he's on ds9 he walking past ops he's not really gonna stay and he just pops his head into cisco's conference this little meeting and he goes everyone's trying their best okay and then he then he keeps walking he just shows up shamefaced and he's like we gave the maquis a bunch of cloaking devices and i'm not proud of it <laughs> i am very embarrassed about it he, he honestly he could have blamed that on his predecessor the uh, the changeling yeah for the sure he wasn't Martok. making that call but uh, no he just eats it because he's a good dude yeah love that guy that's why I'm it's sure as high as a two an apology it's a real apology that's right and that's why it's as high as a two because Martok's a good dude <laughs> yep otherwise a disaster um I had it one higher but we'll see when I get through talking about it um <laughs> Worf is very proud of himself that he has quote accepted alexander's desire not to be a warrior mm. and not at all ashamed that he hasn't spoken to his son in five years not which, even a little and i will say this over and over again appear to have been from age three to age eight age three to eight he's now an adult eight-year-old klingon warrior <laughs> by the way he might be eight there's no star date in this episode so i can't mm. tell if he's had his birthday yet but yep. this is very early in season six it's possible he's still seven he could still be seven yeah. Worf also clearly still has no grasp of crew dynamics on a Klingon ship. So, uh, yeah. Even when you, aside from the parenting stuff, he's an absolute clown this week. He's always a fucking clown. 
Alexander. They couldn't. Hey, they couldn't get him not to hit opposing counsel. No, they couldn't. Failed. Um, there's an episode where he becomes a fundamentalist terrorist because he had a fight with his girlfriend. Though he, he had, had a good a reason. Fight with his girlfriend. <laughs> he didn't go to jail. I'm ninety percent sure he started those fights with O'Brien. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, Brian sucks. We're talking about another shitty character, but yeah. Ah, uh, you know who else looks like a clown this week too? Alexander. Does he know he's damaged? Uh, no. Does he have any introspection at all? No, the man. only person in this half of the plot with any sense is Martok, and at this point, he has to be regretting inviting Worf to join his house. He's a mess. What he says it? he needs him. I guess that must mean he just needs a guy who can, who's like a Batleth champion. He just needs a guy to fucking cut down Jem'Hadar's. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. He doesn't and have he, any. He knows how to fire the weapons good too. Who cares? If this were a video game, he's like, he's got his little crew, and he's like, ah, oh, this guy's combat skill is off the chart. I need him. But as soon as I get another guy with good combat skills, but like even hit the a bench, two, buddy. Even a two in charisma. Okay. Yeah, even as high as a two in charisma, because he's killing me on these other missions or whatever. Yeah. This is honestly, I know this is why I'm on convoy duty. <laughs> That's right. Uh on the flip side, I think it's just unbelievable for Kira to have even had a moment of temptation here with Ducat. For one mm. thing, she's been burned on this Ducat shit before. Ducat had his little redemption arc, right? But then it yeah. turned out still a scumbag. But now yep. we're right back at it. It's just wrestling. It's and just my. It's just stories. He's sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad. But um, after a while, you cannot overlook the bad things. How can Zial have been hanging around with Garrick and Kira? and be mm. this fucking naive. Yeah. She's so much more innocent here than last time. Yep. Um, not only that, not only the hang out with Garrick and Kira part, Marjan points out that it is crazy Zial is so naive, given that she grew up the way she did. She grew up in a prison camp. She's got a dead Bajoran mom, prison camps, all of that stuff. None of those, Why none is of those she cardies like a, were ever doing abuse of power stuff on the women in that prison camp. She doesn't tell, she can't tell that that's what Ducat's doing with Kira. Yeah, it's like, uh, she's like some schoolgirl princess or something. It's so weird. Um... Boy, this is not looking like a three the more I talk about it. <laughs> well, I haven't said anything good yet. Ducat and Damar continue as usual. Everyone else is on Little League duty. Cisco makes a bet. Jake wants it on the resistance. O'Brien and Bashir hate Klingons. They're racists. Yep. Odo frowns a lot. Quark tries to warn Jake. It's a real so what episode, character-wise. No one changes. Everyone's the same at the end, except we're... Uh, we're supposed to take it at face value that Worf and Alexander's relationship is repaired, but it just seems impossible that it could be. Yeah. Yeah, it's a two, not a three. Yeah. Well, quick Disappointing. Ones, Disappointing. Quick hitters. Yep. Um, this is a pretty lame prank Jadzia puts on Worf. I don't want to join the House of Martok. I don't think it was a prank. I think no. when he reacted as strongly as he did, she was like, it's just a prank, bro. <laughs> Of course I'll join the House of Martok. It's like in all the All that movie, stuff I said about not wanting to get involved in endless blood feuds with other houses, that was all a stuff that joke sounded real. that I was telling. Yeah. yeah, it's like in the movie broadcast news when uh, 
when uh oh uh when Jack Nicholson's character asks it says laments that there's nothing he can do to save everyone's job who's getting laid off and the news director guy says to him well you could give up a million or so of your salary and then he sees the look on Jack Nicholson's face and he goes a joke a joke <laughs> that's what she did um Here's the math. You knew we had to talk about it. Alexander was born in 2366, and this episode takes place in 2374. Yeah. He may be seven. At most, he can be eight. He is an adult Klingon warrior. What a slap in the face. (laughs) It's really like, I know it's a TV trope. Like, I get it. You age up the kids, because who wants to see a baby for two or three years or whatever? Yeah, we just talked about Naomi Wildman, who was was born born on the show. But they aged her up once and then they yeah. kept the same actress and she appears to be aging normally yep this kid is an adult warrior wow God. that's a wow uh and you think we work hard to make these writers or to to reason out the shit these writers have not bothered to do for us marshawn works even harder she's always like you know maybe the klingons just mature faster listen and, i think that's and, all we can accept is that klingons are eight as soon as I they're don't one year them. old and I can't they, accept it. by the time they're eight, they're they're seventeen or whatever. It would have come up, man. Someone would have said something. Someone I don't accept it. Something. All I can accept is TV trope. It's also, just TV trope. How? But then, if that's true, how can Worf and Kern both have been alive at the time Worf's parents were killed, but Worf still have been too young to travel with them and had to stay back with a nanny? Yes, that is a very yes. That's a very and that was however many years ago. We know how many years ago it was, so that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's like, confusing. We don't really know the difference in Worf and Kern's ages, but Worf insists he's the elder brother, so they're not twins or anything, right? It's true. Kern never, <laughs> Kern never like Kern wrinkles say, his brow. Like two minutes older than me, it doesn't uh, work like that. I have the command of three squadrons. That's right. But uh, one like, year for each squadron. Now I'm the elder brother. If Alexander aged to the age of eight or nine or however old Brian Bonsall was, yeah, in the one year. That Kalar had him, which included her entire pregnancy. Yeah, he's a little dude Worf. walking around talking about how he would have won in that yeah. first after that first year, including the pregnancy. Yeah, exactly. It's like it just doesn't make any sense that Worf had to stay back with a nanny, but Kern was also alive. That's yeah. all. Um, hey, if Jake knows that Kira and Odo are starting a resistance, so <sighs> the next logical scene is Kira in prison. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> what are the fucking odds that only Jake knows about it? I mean, he it literally says that people impossible. tell him things. Yes, so exactly. that means someone else knows and told him. <laughs> or again, he's reasoned out some very obvious things and then passed it off as his great journalism skills. Um, Worf thinks this guy, I think his name is Chitarg. Sure. What is, was going to kill Alexander? Because... He would have killed a guy in a food fight, and then everyone would have oh, been. Yeah. Everyone would have been like, "Oh man, too far." That's our helmsman. <laughs> exactly. All the guys would have went, "What the fuck? Why did you kill him?" He challenged my honor, and they were like, "No one cares about that." <laughs> what are you talking about? You killed him. You sound like a fucking crazy person. Martok's like, he would have cut him once. It would have been fine. <laughs> well, Martok's a good dude, though. Yeah. Uh, Martok's probably t- too far on the other side, but like. For Just sure, generally Worf, speaking, he's a good. For dude. sure, Worf stepped in because he would have actually murdered the guy. That's right. Oh yeah, I mean, if he if he'd gone into that food fight with Jatar, Jatar would have been decapitated, hundred yeah. percent. 
And yeah, O'Brien called it. Worf has been an absentee dad since the end of TNG. It's in the sh- it's like it's just in there now. They said it out in the show out loud. Fuck. Uh, this never comes up in TNG, but one of the main benefits of having a holodeck is that you can run battle simulations without having to load programs into your actual main computer. <laughs> yeah, they should get on that. It would have saved Alexander embarrassment here, but like that's got to cause problems. This can't be the only time that that's come up on a ship oh, on a holodeck. It's a uh, it's Klingon guile. Yeah. It's it's like they called right back to that and said, oh, what if it was Klingon Guile, but, you know, just used for training or whatever. Because that shit actually appears on the view screen and the sensors and all that. Fucks them up when that Ferengi shows up. Yeah. This makes no sense to us. <laughs> a ship of lesser design. <laughs> we have a lot of judgments about various starship classes. I want you to take a minute and explain it to me. In our mind, all different types of ships are part of a single hierarchy, and it's not that it's a ship that's meant for a different mission. This is a lesser design. Your ship's an 11, and that ship is only a 4. I've got the two Star Trek cards right here. <laughs> this says your range is only an 8. Your this makes no sense to us. two crew. <laughs> um... Somebody, maybe the actor who is playing Alexander, straight up bent the clearly unsharpened prop batleth that he's swinging around. But it's okay. Martok says it's a fine blade, well balanced. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe he's practicing for a gig on the Klingon Knife Collector show after the war. That's right. He's going to cut some paper real good. Hey, does that mean Alexander pulled that right off a of Worf's wall or something? Is that why he's complimenting the blade like that? Is that supposed uh, to be Worf's fancy batleth? I think that shit's just, a, just the batleth dojo. On this okay. station, right? So it's not even his bat left. I don't think so. I, those all looked like messed up training bat. Oh, this is one of the ones I got for us. That's why it's so good. Um, I thought Ducat regifting this dress is a nice slimy touch, but then of mm. course they cannot show us Zial wearing it because it's like a her... dancer size zero. Or yeah, whatever she's Nana got Visitor the... wears, and Zial has cobra ridges all over her. <laughs> she doesn't have the full Cardi neck. I think they toned it down as part of her uh, uh, Bajoran uh, heritage or whatever. But no, she's but got some. She's got enough appliances that there's no way. Mm-hmm. And the actress is also taller and uh, broader than Kira. There's no way she could have fit in that fucking dress. But no. I, it was so obvious to me that I wished there was a scene where Zial tells Kira she figured out what was going on when the dress didn't fit. <laughs> But I guess the show didn't have time for that. No, this this version of CL definitely would have gone, oh, his heart was in the right place. He doesn't know my size. He and doesn't know about buying it. dresses for women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll take it to Garrick. Oh, he's not here. I'll take it to Garrick when I see him again after the Space War. Um, after it kills my dad, I assume. <laughs> and one final note, uh, Gabrielle Union here as Nagarin. Yes. I had to show that to Marjan. I saw her and I was like, that's, that's someone. That's yes. fucking someone, and I had to look it it's up. It's very hard to tell under the Klingon facial appliances, but it is uh, it is Gabrielle. And she's barely in it. She, is, but she has a couple of lines, but they're all related to doing her job. Yeah. Uh, best actor this week, Martok. Worst actor, probably Chitarg. Any of the other recruits introducing themselves could be too, but yeah. he has he has the one who actually has to try to deliver some lines about the Grapox sauce makes the Brigitte lung taste good, and it's, yeah, too, yeah, it's too much. Yeah. Yeah, he's as bad as the, uh, remember in the alternate, uh, in the mirror universe, the guy who, uh, finds the key in his boot 
after they stab Garrick. After uh, uh, whatever Worf's title is in the alternate universe. It's, the, it's not the intended, that's Kira. <laughs> yeah, whatever he's supposed to be. Remember he stabs Garrick because he thinks Garrick swallowed the key, but really it fell in the guy's boot. This yeah. guy was as bad as that guy. Well, that's not good. No. <laughs> you don't want to hear that about your performance. <laughs> well, for one thing, it's just a long story. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, uh, it's hard to explain. Okay, yeah, no, I, I think I kind of remember that episode. Uh-huh. Uh, and your feedback is? Oh. Well, I kind of remember that guy. Um, I already said one of my quick hitters. Uh, uh, Alexander is to transfer at exactly 2317 hours, man. Yeah. That's that military specificity right there. 2317. Uh, you get the feeling that uh, Martok is transferring him to one of the cargo ships that's in this convoy, right? Uh, yeah. And um, that ain't good. He's not going to live long there. No. Uh, Alexander's doomed anyway, man. Like I, he, Look, spoiler alert. I've seen all these. He, We don't see him die. But, like, he's doomed. Well, he he's dies in Star dead. Trek Online. So. He's an unfortunate, unfortunate person. And, okay, well, now we know he dies in SDO. <laughs> I'm sure I've played it, by the way. It made just, Michael Dorn you know. really mad that they killed Alexander, by the way, in STO. What does he care? He ain't playing it. Is oh, he I playing know. it? No, he's not playing it. Okay. <laughs> he's not playing Alexander. No. What does he care? Gives a shit. <clears throat> but All you right. have another one, yeah? No, I said the other one. Oh, right. that was it? Yeah. All right, well. We got, we got quite a week here. That was embarrassing because I was like, "Hey, they only got to get to 19 and they." Uh... I'm just rolling back. Uh, if you haven't gone and looked at Landru, Landru is color coded. So yeah. one of the things when you're looking in the totals for the week is that it will color code based on the percentage that this episode scored in that category of all the ones we've scored so far. So, for instance. If it's dark red, that's like bottom 5% or something of all mm-hmm. of the episodes in that category. And if it's dark green, that's like top 5%. This is week 125, and this is oh. the first week that is entirely red. Yes, well, I was going to say this is a first. Um, because neither of us gave higher than a 3 in any category this week. That's right. And that has never happened. That's never that's never happened before. This is no the, fours were awarded. A four out of ten was too high for this week. This is not the worst week in any category, yep. except possibly premise. I haven't rolled back, but to look for that. But in nah. this week, no episode in any category scored above average, or even you know like at average for any, just and in any category. So a real fucking stinker of a week. Stank across the board, man. Now, we gave a, a premise score of 2.33 in week 114. Okay, cool. Which was a real... That was the power play week. That but, was a bad But one. in week 114, <clears throat> power play got a 9 for characterization, which That's right. kept it from, from having this particular distinction. Um, the episodes were real close together. There's three points between first and last place. I just can't help but look at these scores. Three one two three two two three three two three three one two 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 one one two 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 three three. Yeah. So bad. Uh just an absolute shit of a week. Yeah. Uh the winner is Time's Arrow. That's I mean. An episode 
that's the luckiest win that, that TNG will ever get. An episode <laughs> Except for power I, play, I guess. I think in execution I described as a fucking nightmare from the moment they get to the snake cave. <laughs> um, it got a 19, which is a very bad score to win. Like we said, 15 is the lowest, but before that, I think it was 22. So 19 Ugh. is terrible. Deep Space Nine is in second with a 17. Uh, Voyager back on the bottom, but with a 16. So, like, honestly, they were two changes away from winning the week, probably. Yeah. Like, maybe if they show us the scene where they convince Janeway not to trust this guy, and she says something like, we have to, you know, we can't have that attitude about every culture we meet. We have to extend a little trust, something like that. The episode probably wins. Yeah. (sighs) Man. TNG is up by, what, seven now? They're back up to seven. So DS9 had had been having a good run. Mm -hmm. Had won four in a row or something like that. I just, I want to point out here that two of those wins are a 15 and a 19. Yes, two of the the 51. Like the luckiest wins that you could ever get. Uh (laughs) Oh yeah, any other week there's a, I mean not any other week, Alex scored 10 points, right? But, um... (laughs) But in many weeks, 19 is the loser. Yeah. You know, that's happened many times. Um, I guess you have to roll all the way back to 117 to find one, but, like, that's yeah. fine. That's not that far back. Say the episodes. Yep. Uh, just a real, by luck, absolute luck of the draw, times era one a week. Yep. <sighs> wow, I hated that. I did not like that episode at all. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, that's the end of season five for the next generation. So we're officially going to be in season six for everything next week. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, we're, we're getting through it. I mean, I, like I said at the beginning now, I thought as the weeks went on, I would feel better and better because there was so much less in front of me, but I am really only able to concentrate on how much time I've put into this. (laughs) And so now that when you said it was week 125, I went, oh. So seeing, you know, 126 next week is probably going to make me feel similarly bad. Well. As we get up to 554 episodes. Yes, exactly. Uh, And here's what you should watch if you want to play along. Um, We will be discussing Time Zero Part 2. No, I won't do it. a lot of it. I'm not going to do it. Well, luckily, I uh, get to describe it. So I guess if you... No, I'm not going to introduce this idea. I was going to say if you just no. want to listen to my description and think about what you would give it. <laughs> it suddenly, it gets like a 38 yeah, or something. Please That's do not, watch it. sound too bad. Please do watch it. Uh, okay. For Deep Space Nine, we are watching Behind the Lines. We're still All in right. the war arc. We still got two more in this big war arc. And then I mean, the if that one counts, Jesus, that last one was only tangentially about the war. It's really. only in the war arc because it happened in this time period yep and uh you get to describe the voyager episode one small step i assume they're gonna go back in time and janeway's gonna fuck neil armstrong or something (laughs) i ain't seen these voyagers at this point after he says something super grody i'm sure it's all new to me is what i'm saying yeah hold on i'm gonna look it up i'm gonna see what this one's all about oh no (laughs) (laughs) oh well okay (laughs) If you say so, Voyager. You know, nothing you feel like sharing with the class. Oh, here, I'll share something with you. Uh, Tor.com. I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's um, a sci-fi site, but it's fine. Well, it gave the episode 9 out of 10. Oh, remarking, right. It's a damn fine piece of sentiment with truly great performances by, I don't want to spoil it. Okay. 
Uh, I will spoil this. They were also pleased with Robert Picardo directing. Oh, fuck me. So, anyway, uh, you know, that's all I'll say for now. All right. Well, those are what you should watch. Um, you may, of course, tweet at us. You can hit us up on Mastodon. Don't tweet at me. My personal Twitter no longer exists. So. <laughs> and I ain't started a personal Mastodon yet because no one's tweeted at the show one, so I don't fucking care. Yeah, tweet at us, Yerk, for Kirk. Or Matthew from New York, even. There you go. Uh, that uh, You already said all the stuff, right? I don't well, you know. You can send email us, us. Yeah, send us an email. That's uh, uh, brothersofbrotherdate.com. Uh, you could go to brotherdate.com. We talked about some of the, sh- the shit you can find on there. As if you're in a more recent listener, Matthew from New York. I want to keep saying your name so that you feel obligated to keep Yeah, those mailbags have stuff like music projects in them. Uh, well, yeah, you Video can go game back and- power hour. Listen to all of that shit. Um, follow along with these great brackets we have put up there. All that good stuff. As you believe, so shall you do. So shall you do. As you believe, so, so shall, shall you do. do. I'm so glad you said that because I did fear not enough to rewatch the scene. That I had missed the part where they convened and said, let's go through the portal. Because no, I thought fucking... I just saw them wordlessly walk through the portal. That's what you but saw. that couldn't be right. Nope, that, that's what you saw. <laughs> <laughs>